Blog Talk Radio. set the mood for the chaos that I'm sure is about to ensue tonight. Yep, in a way, we're all seekers, Canes fans, searching for a football life worth living. That's pretty obvious when you soak in all of the reaction amongst the Canes nation to Saturday's way-too-close victory over a Central Michigan team that won one game a year ago 
and lost to Wisconsin 61 to nothing earlier this season, a performance which came on the heels of uproar over an 0-2 start. Hell yeah, it was scary watching the Chippewas get the football late in the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game. As the words of the song just said, they irritate, they infuriate, they inflame. There is no guarantee of surviving when you keep putting yourself in harm's way. And that is so true if you think about the way the 2019 season has gone so far. The Canes put themselves in harm's way against Florida, against North Carolina, and against Central Michigan. No guarantee of surviving. They survived one time. That was Saturday. And yeah, this has not been an easy week at Canes football headquarters with what Manny Diaz called a tough truth meeting between coaches and players. And then word Monday night that the Canes prized 2021 quarterback recruit, Jake Garcia, had suddenly committed to USC days before he was scheduled to fly to Coral Gables with his parents and his girlfriend for another look at the U. So tonight, I begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live with a simple mandate to everyone. Tell me what's wrong. Why are the dreams of the Miami Hurricanes and reality like night and day right now? Tell me what's wrong. But let's also consider one more thing tonight. Is it all an overreaction? The Canes did win the game after all. They are now 2-2 two and two, with the meat of the ACC schedule up next. Is it what everyone was looking for a few weeks ago when we pulled into Orlando? No, not if you factor in style points for sure. But should the mood and mindset be simplified to a few simple words of wisdom that keep coming to mind as I look around college football and the struggles that so many teams are having out there. Take the victory. Take the victory. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and I welcome you once again to Canesport Live, presented again this year by Sicilian Oven Restaurants with six locations throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you'll not only love the taste, you will taste the love. And we got that Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment coming up in the next hour, and a very special guest this week, joining Bruce, the voice of the fan, and myself, and that's going to be Mr. Russell Maryland, who's going to impart his wisdom upon us, um, and that'll be in the 9 o'clock hour. But as always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. Over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. If you're driving around... You want to listen on your cell phone, not a problem. Should be plenty of lines to accommodate you. You know the drill. If you want to come on the show, you hit the number one on your keypad. That puts you in the queue, and we bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. We once again ask the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show, and we will address those going forward during the course of the show, as always. All right, so the Canes are 2-2. Two and two. 
one-third of the way through the season. They've looked good in some individual moments, and they've looked bad in some others. When you put it all together, it has fallen short of what everyone might like, no question. But it probably is pretty close to what should have been expected, with the exception maybe being the loss to North Carolina and the somewhat stunning lack of dominance against Central Michigan. So those two things are obviously not great signs of things to come. You know, let's be honest. But now the Canes have two weeks to figure things out. I think we need to keep the quality of schedule moving forward in the back of our minds and understand that each of these future games literally will stand on their own two feet. They're all winnable. I mean, that's not to say this team is capable of peeling off eight straight victories. I mean, that's not likely, let's be honest. And goals of winning the Coastal this year clearly are hanging by a string because of that. But those goals are still there in front of the team. And they still have a chance to go chase them. So I know everyone has a lot of opinions about what they've seen to this point and might see in the future. So let's get right to your calls. Again, the number 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Tonight we're starting in the 305 where the U is circling the wagons. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing great. Who's Adam? Yeah. How are you doing this week? Well, I'm a little nervous after watching the game on Saturday. I can't believe how much better we were than Central Michigan and the fact that we played that poorly. Because against any other team, we would have gotten killed. But we were so much better. And to be fair, I don't even think Central Michigan should have gotten in the end zone at the, with the three-minute mark. Because I didn't think on TV that was holding on Pinkney in the end zone. They ran into each other. There is no way that was holding on fourth down. Well, I mean, I would, I would say that I, I think we're fortunate that yeah. Central Michigan you, was not able to handle the Manny Diaz blitz packages because yeah. they had receivers open all night. They must have had a, mm-hmm. a dozen drop passes, and, well, yeah, and if, yeah. if if Man, if if Coach Baker and, and Manny weren't dialing up blitzes every time they crossed midfield and blowing up their drives, uh, yeah, that would really have been was. a fight to the finish, and and it might not have turned out well. So, well, yeah, I wouldn't no, play the what if. I would take the victory. I really would, and move on. No, I ta- I take the victory because you look at Arkansas. They lost at home to San Jose State. And San, yep. that was San Jose State's first win against the Power Five in five years. So you take yep. the win, you move on, you're two and two. It might not have been the prettiest win. But um, I have a couple questions. One, I don't want to harp on the Manny or jump on Manny and say he's going to be a bad coach. But I, I, this is something I was curious at uh, at the beginning of the year. Do you think Blake James moved too fast? in the wake of Rick's retirement to get Manny? Because what was the job on, what, like 12 hours between when Rick retired and we named Manny head coach? Yeah, not even. I mean, um, look, look, here's the bottom line. All right. 
there's no question Blake moved too fast, okay? Um, maybe Manny would have been the best candidate for this job yeah. at the end of the day, but absolutely they should have done a search. They should have seen who was interested in the job. They should have interviewed people to get their ideas on how to make this program better. I mean, you're coming off a seven and six season. The team got its butt mm-hmm. kicked in the bowl game. And I know there were a million excuses and all that, but the bottom line is they got their butt kicked in the bowl game. Wisconsin wasn't playing for anything either. And, and we're seeing this year no. that Wisconsin's not, not a bad football team. So yes, of course he should have done a search and he should have seen who wanted the job. That goes without saying. Now, Manny got the job. And from the minute Manny got yeah. the job, at that point, you know, now it's Manny's burden to bring this football program back. All right. And it's it's a we've talked about this several times. It is a massive job. And he certainly cannot yeah. be judged after these four games, Adam, without question. Okay. I oh, mean not, you know I'm not, ju- I'm not judging him after these four games. I think eventually I like that they went with the Miami link. But I'm saying, because I read the message boards, I don't do it, but this is something I was just curious about with the idea of, like, Cristobal with the Phil Knight money at Oregon or something if Blake just moved too fast on this hire. I mean, and obviously you're playing the what-if game because Manny did get the job, and we'll see over the next three to four years if he was actually the right hire or not. And if not, we'll be in the same situation three, four years down the road. Yep, I agree. I mean, you know, it, um, it, it is what it is what it is now, and now it's up to Manny to to get it done. I mean, Blake James is betting the the franchise on Manny, so you know. Well, yeah, and I I also recognize that football in general, because it's such a high revenue sport, is one you have to get the head coaching search right. Unlike baseball, where like Blake promoted Gino Damari, and Miami was one win away from the Super Regional. So football is a whole different animal, and I understand that. That unlike any other sport, you really have to get the head coaching higher right. Um, a couple other things. One, um, I saw today on Twitter that Isaiah Walker was, like, tweeting stuff about Miami. Is there really any interest with him in Miami, or is he just uh, going to go to Florida? And it's a foregone conclusion at this point. Don't know. Um, Obviously, we did see that. Um, What I can tell you is that all the information that we have right now is that he is a silent commit to Florida. Uh, Whether Miami can bring him back into the Kane camp, don't know. I think it's a good sign that they're in there battling and trying. And, you know, I hope that they continue to fight it out to the finish there because that's a kid that they had identified that they that they really wanted um i think it's a good sign that they're not just waving the white flag and giving up okay because yeah i also saw that marcus Tate from 2021 committed to clemson today which is another kid in your backyard it's not good adam it's not good i mean and and granted i know o-line recruiting is probably the hardest thing to do because Rarely will you get, like, a true freshman, like, next year, have Jalen Rivers come in and start from day one. Like, I don't like the fact that Donaldson's going to be a senior next year when he should really be a redshirt junior. I don't think he should have started his freshman year. But Mm -hmm. that's how bad we were. Because he got beat badly on the safety. So it's not just. It's this O-line. Also, what has Jaron Williams said about his read? Because some of his reads, have been against any other opponent. He should have three or four picks right now. 
because he's like not seeing the field. There's times yes, he looks great. There's there's times he's struggling. I, it's not a surprise. Yeah. He's a he's a first your first year quarterback. That's what happens with these guys. Uh, I think for the most part he's been pretty good. The other day, no, he, he struggled and he and he was not real good on third down. No, definitely not. I mean, and there was one I think I didn't see this, but I saw that he had Jeff Thomas for an easy touchdown, and what was it? He underthrew him. And it yeah, he's he, he, he's he's a little late on some of these deep balls. Uh, he needs to learn to anticipate the receivers coming open and get rid of the ball earlier. Uh, he's he's waiting for them to be open before he's throwing the ball. And in that case, yeah. it, it gave the defender time to recover. Yeah, and there was a, there was like I mean the first drive of the second half was great. Like it was quick, quick, done, done. And, like, that I liked. But then on the next drive, or the drive that led to, and my next question is going to be about Bassa, he had K.J. Osborne open in the end zone, and he threw it behind him. And, like, those are throws you need to have in a game like that. Um, And then my um, final question, or two more questions. One, what is going on with Bubba Bassa? I know he got bailed out by the running into the kicker, and he made the field goal. But is it like a mental thing at this point? Oh, there's no is question. It's a mental thing. Okay. Because I hear he's like kicking great in practice. Yeah, he's but... a very good kicker. I mean, even in pregame warmups, I mean, if he takes if he takes ten kicks, he's making nine of them. Like he's a very good kicker. He's not, the, you know, he's got the he's got a great leg. He's putting kickoffs out of the end zone almost every time. Um, there's just certain spots it looks like to me where it's like a mental thing with him. Yeah, I mean, and he got bailed out with the running into the kicker uh, last game because he pushed it way right, and he was lucky to be bailed out. And the last thing, um, with Bubba Bolden being eligible for the Vodtech game, do you think he's going to start with Gervin Hall over Amari Carter in that back Don't end, know. Or will they, Don't will know. They I, I, wouldn't recommend, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> Just because you don't want to lose Amari Carter, you know, who's been here and, and, you know, but I think you'll see Bubba Bolden in the rotation playing a lot. Okay, so he will be playing next Saturday. I'm fairly certain of that, yeah. Uh, Okay, well, thanks for taking my call, Gary, and hopefully this was just an aberration and we'll get back to it in two weeks. All right, Adam, thanks for being part of the show as always. Yeah. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, Gary, Gary. What's going on, man? How's everything, Gary? What's up? What's up, Ross? How you doing this week? What's going on, man? I'm listening, I'm listening, and I'm listening. And, um, I'm saying, damn, Adam, get to the point where you ask Gary about Yes, he's missing passes. He's miss he's missing wide open guys. So here's the thing that I need to know. Why is his offensive coordinator putting him putting him in embarrassing situation, tough situation, head scratching situation? You dodged a bullet, a major bullet in the end zone. You did not have the safety called on you, and a play and a half later, two plays later. You put the kid back in the same situation where he's dropping back, Daniel turning his back to the defense in the end zone 
to make a pass, where all you have to do there is run the ball, put the ball. Run the ball, put the ball. Gary, you agree or disagree with that? Neither. I mean, certainly that, in retrospect, would have been a better option, but I can understand why Dan Enos isn't thinking that way. You know, he's trying to move the ball and get out of the hole, and he's trying to call plays that he thinks will uh, help make that happen. He's not counting on Zion Nelson totally breaking down on the outside and back-to-back allowing those sacks like that. And, and, and Gary, um, coaches, I think the second one was actually Navon that broke down. Okay. Well, coaches, usually when they see something like that happen the first time around, they get out of dodge. They say, okay, you know what? Abandon ship here. Let's run the ball. Let's punt the ball. And let's play defense. So, well, you could, you I, could certainly make that argument in retrospect, no doubt. But it was the common sense to do all the way around. Okay, I'm just I'm annoyed. What if he completed? I, what if he completed the pass and they got the ball out to the twenty and were able Gary, to continue the drive? You just told us yeah. not to play the what if. You just told the audience. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it, it can work both ways, Ross. It really can. I mean, well, obviously, Gary, it's in the when, end zone. I understand. It was very risky. And it's a slow developing play. Why are we still running slow developing plays? Those plays have to be quick hitters, bow screens or whatever it is, quick hitters to get yourself out the end zone and then make try to do something after that. You're in the end zone. Unbelievable head scratchers. I, I can't believe it. When was the last time you go into a game like this Virginia Tech game coming up and future games that you're worried about playing and nervous and what is going to happen? What are we going to do? This is Gary. This is this. This is heartbreaking. As a, fr- a fan, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking that you have to worry about a game by game situation with your team. Not saying I'm excited about this game. I can't wait to play this game, win or lose. You're scared in a sense as a fan now because you have no idea what to expect. Yeah, I, I I mean, I get it. I I, I understand. I, I feel everyone's pain, and I, and I and I, you know, think it was justified after the other day. I mean, that was a team, like I said, that lost sixty-one nothing to Wisconsin. They they and, won and, one and, game. And, they, it won one. They won one game last year. One game. And Akron and Akron gave them a game at their place on the road. Akron wasn't home. They was in Central Michigan, and they gave them a better game. There's no excuses for Manny Enos. There's no excuses for this. No excuses. You promised us an attacking offense. You, you, you promised us better than this. I'm not saying that nobody needs to be fired as far as Manny's concerned, but we are going to check Mr. Enos because he came into this week cocky as heck and, and, and even talked about how he probably kind of want to put revenge against this team. He didn't use those words. But he was heading in that direction with his conversation with the media. Maybe he should worry about calling better plays and concentrating on what he's doing. Okay, so, if you have to I, so wait, so but you calling better plays? What like what like what do you want him to call? Okay, I, give us like give I us said, some solutions. Okay, what he did to start the game? That's, he's telling us he's been doing that. We've seen this movie. You start the game while making quick passes and doing what you're doing, and it looks good. Now, the second part of the movie, you're back to 
doing the things that you did in the other time. You're, now you're thinking and dunking, and you make you're, you're you're playing. You're calling slow developing play, Gary. Let's let's call it what it is. He's running what you call, and I'm not trying to joke around here. It's it's an under center spread. It's under center spread. You cannot run that. All right. So quicker quicker developing plays. I think that's fair. I mean that that's an adjustment that that can be made before the Virginia Tech game. What else? Yes. Stop with your quarterback taking seven foot seven seven stop um, step drops. Stop that. Stop it. It's not working. Every time he does it, the quarterback is is rushing the pass, or he's go, he's he's bailing, or he's on the ground. Because the line can't protect for those plays. The line can't yes, protect well can, enough. Cannot do it. And you've got to know what you're dealing with. You've got to know your personnel. I want to make a point. I probably should have made this point before I started criticizing Eno and, and Jaron. The play before that, Jeff Thomas needs to start fielding these balls. He needs to stop having the ball hit the ground. Okay, because I think if you would have filled that at the 10 or maybe the 15, it wouldn't have bounced to the fourth. And I'm not, I, I, kept, I, I keep watching, and I wanted to make sure before I criticize him that I was right on that. Stop letting the ball bounce on the floor, on the, on the field, because that's what's putting us in bad situations. Be aggressive. What if he You're fumbles? A scholarship player. What no, if he fumbles being? What if he fumbles being over aggressive? Like Gary, I, I, I listen, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, he has me so upset. I'm saying floor instead of field. I'm so annoyed watching this stuff. This is not what we were promised, and you know I'm a diehard. But this is embarrassing. There's no way. There's no way around this. That was an embarrassing performance. It was. It was. Uh... I mean, they won, so I, I'm not going to use the word embarrassing, but it, it was it was, cer- like it was certainly ma- it was maddening. It was a maddening performance. It was a victory that felt like a loss. But anyway, listen, the quarterback yeah. from, from California changing his mind and staying home, I can't be mad at him. But what I do expect from Enos is what we always expected. So you don't get him. Who else did you have on your list? Who else well, he's got time. To? He's he's got time. I'm sure. You he, 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 yeah, we'll figure out who. You know, so he'll no figure it out. Cry about that. There'll be there'll be there'll be a, a next. Home. Just like there was a next this year. Tyler Van Dyke wasn't the That's first choice. That's what I'm choice. saying. We missed they, out on you know, the Enos, staying home. He, you know, uh, Carson Beck was was his was his Jake Garcia, and and he and he couldn't get him, and so he went and found Tyler Van Dyke, and 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 he was able to get him. He'll do the same thing. And Gary, I'm praying I'm wrong. And I want to be wrong. I want to be so wrong. But the next six, five, six games, it's going to tell me if he's a better quarterback coach than he's a play caller. Because he's a good fair, quarterback that's fair. coach. That's fair. Because let me, like, I, I was talking about this on the message boards today. You know, and, and everyone's been very hard on the coaches, and, and that's what happens when a team underperforms. Um, but I asked the question. Who is underperforming their resume? And and I think that's a very pertinent way of looking at, at, at this right now from a realistic point of view. And, and Coach Enos, we could start with him. Like, you know, he he was a head coach at Central Michigan, had moderate success, uh, probably would have gotten fired had he not left himself. But you know that's you know a lot of coaches get fired. That's not an indictment on him. 
Okay, you he get went hired to Arkansas. You get hired to be fired. Right, That's right, right. He went to Arkansas as an offensive coordinator and had reasonable success. But I mean, his next job was quarterback coach. <laughs> you know, he wasn't a coordinator when he when he made the next move. So you know. He has. He came here with something to prove. Let's. I mean, let's look at it honestly. Um, makes a lot of money. Has a reputation for being a great quarterbacks coach. And I have not seen anything in what we've been able to see that would make me dispute that. He looks. From what I've seen, he is an excellent quarterbacks coach. But you're absolutely right. You know, we don't know how good of a coordinator he is, and 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 he is in the process of having to prove that. You're very fair in that statement. Okay. Next thing. Next thing on the board. Again, I said this before, and I'll say it again. Bubba Bolden. I it, when I look at it, I wasn't upset that he it took him this long to get on the field because he needed this. He needed it. Um, we didn't need it, but he needed it. He needed to go through whatever we need. We are doing on the field. What we're doing in practice. He he might have to avoid he might avoid what what um the kid from Virginia Tech is going through right now, being have to play through getting you know his body right and everything. Maybe Bubba maybe Bubba skips that and he won't start. It's, it's, you shouldn't start him. You should let him come off the bench and get in the flow no and be one of our most versatile um, safety players and one of our one of our most dangerous safety players. Okay, and I'm predicting he's going to be a, a problem, but you shouldn't you shouldn't start him because there's no need for that. We have enough we have enough problems that having guys being upset right now about people starting over them. Okay. Well, it wouldn't be it now, wouldn't Garrett, be fair to Amari Carter. Let's be honest. Yeah, not Answer this answer this question. Please please be honest with me. You're down there on the field. You're watching this. Are we playing more zone? And 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 not in the front seven in a sense. Are we playing more zone with our safeties and corners than we played in the last couple of years, Gary? Please, please, please answer that for me. Uh, you know, I don't have the data to answer that accurately. No, uh, no, I mean, no, I have. I, I need your eyes. I need your. You're, you're there, Gary. You're there. Come on, help me. Help us out. Be honest. Come I mean, it, it looks it looks like they are at times. Now, I think they played zone in the past. So, like I said, I don't have data saying, oh, they did it, you know, 10 times a game last year and they're doing it 14 times a game this year or whatever. I don't, I don't have those, that, those stats and that data to answer your question accurately. So I'm not going to try, but what's your point? You don't like zone? I don't like the fact that we're not being aggressive. Here's my thing that I don't like, Gary. When I watch college football, I see this a lot, and I'm annoyed by it. I see it in the pros, too, as time. If, if it's third and six, if it's third and six, why is my quarterback playing another four yards off the stick? Totally, he's not, he's, not, he's, not push, he's, not, he's not playing press defense. Plus, he's four yards behind the first yard, the first, um, the, the first down stick. What kind of defense is that? So, so the wide receiver's got to run and start. He runs a quick slant. He's already in his motion of running. He catches the ball. He dives over, and now you're just tackling him. What is that about? What kind of defense is that? I still like it. I don't. I think it's putting it. I think it's we're not we're shooting gaps on the D line, but we're playing zone in the back end. 
Again, this is not what we was promised. Gary, I go and I watch the game over and over again. I watch differently when other people watch. I watch for the inner part of the game. And I'm watching guys not being aggressive. I'm watching linebackers playing not necessarily scared, but just not aggressively. I want to make another point. McLeod, everybody's trying to get on Manny and the staff about McLeod not playing. Please understand this. No one knows what's going on. It could have been an understanding with his mom, the kid, and the coaches about him not playing because he didn't play special teams. So it could be another underlying situation that's going on that nobody else knows about. The mom was in the stand sitting by herself, didn't look happy, but who knows? She might have told them not to play him, or he, she might be the one that's telling him not to play. No one knows what's going on. Let's wait and see what's going on with the kid. Instead of start throwing out all these things that we did when we was trying to wait on Ahmad Richards, and we had no clue. And then we all had to shut our mouth because he was done, he, he, his career was over. We don't know. Let's not play doctor. Especially all right, Ross, we with college kids. You threw out some good ideas. I'm frustrated, Gary. Listen, you know, Joaquin said dominate, and we're not dominating. This is embarrassing. Hey, Florida now, maybe, State maybe it'll change. Crazy, man. They've got and, two hey, weeks now to, hey. to, change, to change and adjust and, and, and fine-tune, and, Gary, and, and that's let's see what they look like against like Virginia having, Tech. But it seems like we're having too many bye weeks because we're not taking advantage of it, and I love what happened to UNC. The bloom is off that quarterback. Let's everybody sit down and now stop talking about this rook, this, this, this um, whatever freshman of the year. I love it. North Carolina. Are you kidding me? I'm out. I can't wait to see if, if you, Uki and those guys come on tonight. I can't wait. Gary, enjoy the show. I'll be listening. Keep me on hold. All right, Ross. Thanks, as always, for being part of it. All right. Got to say this for Ross, man. He brings it. Passionate, and he brings it. All right, 563-999-3633. Five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And this year, with the little tighter format that we've been trying to go with here, I think that's worked well for Ross. You know, he 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 condenses his thoughts. He, he you know he 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 doesn't ramble. Much better, much better. Good job, Ross. Let's go out to the seven eight six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how are you, my friend? Hey, what's up, everything? I imagine hey, I imagine you have quite a bit you'd like to say, too, so I'm going to shut up and give you the floor. What you got? Well, Gary, if you remember, after the UNC game, I got very emotional on your show and was adamant about the ownership that all three coordinators had in that loss to UNC. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And you but you're always emotional. I said. Not to that level. I've never gotten that way on your show. Maybe once with Ross, right. but anyway, I mentioned to you how they all had major ownership with that with that loss. I watched the Appalachian State UNC game. Talking to you your phone, you're coming through a little low. Yeah, I got I got a cold. I watched the App, oh, okay. App State at App State at UNC. You know what they did on third down to this kid? They, they blitzed do? up the A gap. Blitzed up the okay. A-gap. Not, not with one, but two guys at times. One guy coming, another guy twist. With short, fast guys. Okay? The basic things that this defensive coordinator lacked, App State went ahead and just destroyed them. Mm-hmm. 
No young quarterback wants to be hit in the face. What's the, what's the quickest way to somebody? Right up the middle. And the protective schemes that they had struggled. And I, and I brought that to everyone's attention a couple of weeks ago. I also told you guys a couple of weeks ago that the seven-step drops after the Florida game, that should have been enough of a, of a motivation for Enos to change the game planning. But what is Enos face with Gary? He wants to go spread. But the premise of this offense is centered around two tight ends. You're not going to get away from that. And he's had a chance to spread them out a couple of times. And if you look at the best four possessions we had on offense against Central Michigan, it, we spread out, but we still had two tight ends in there, or at least one. But we still spread them out. And that's the thing. He's caught in having to adjust about 50% of the stuff he's got in because it's not working. And he's not going to show all his cards yet. He's going to continue to try to go ahead and take six guys to block eight or nine. It's not going to change until he decides to open it up and spread them all the way out, spread a box out. And he hasn't done that yet. He's done it on four occasions uh, against Central Michigan. But that's something that I told you all back. That's why I was so emphatic. There has to be ownership. And I am tired of Manny justifying all the negative results. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, the new Miami, and I told you guys over the summer, either you put up or you shut up. You walk the walk. If you're going to talk, talk, you got to walk the walk. And so far, he can barely walk. Okay, he's still fucking, he, he's still on the floor crawling. I don't, I don't see the growth that we were supposed to see. I told you guys. Well, I think what, what's happening is he's, he, he's learning it's not so easy. You know, um, you know, Manny was always, I think, pretty frustrated at some of the things that were going on on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I, I think that we kind of fell victim a little bit internally with this false sense of how good the defense really was. I mean, the defense has been very good, but it was not an elite defense at any point. And, you know, but I do think that there was a little bit of a attitude about the offense, that the, that the offense wasn't holding up its end of the bargain. And there were a lot of times it wasn't. Um, But I think what he's learning now as a head coach is it's not so easy. You know, he went out, he got himself, you know, a high priced offensive coordinator who's come in here and put in a system and, you know, there's growing pains and it's, it's not coming easy. And uh, I'm sure that's a little bit of a shocker. Well, you know, growing pains are one thing. That's part of any transition in, in, any, in any job field. That's just transition from going from one, one major position to another. I get that. But it all starts at the top. How many times have I told you in the last six months, year, we're still doing things on the cheap? You hire one expensive guy on one side of the ball and a bunch of cheap guys. I don't know. That that, I don't think that's fair. I mean, yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that any hire. Let me just finish. I don't think any hire on this staff was made with the idea of going cheap. I, you know, I, I think that the defensive guys were pretty much in place. Blake Baker was brought in to be a defensive coordinator when you already had two guys on staff that were being paid as coordinators. Because you remember, Mark Rick gave them coordinator titles. And they had they had contracts. They had defensive coordinator contracts at the at the time that the whole shakeup took place. 
and they're no and, and now Blake Baker's coming in as a, as a as a third defensive coordinator salary, so that's certainly not going cheap. You know, Manny, if, 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 wait, 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 let me finish. If if the idea was going cheap, what Manny could have done is run the defense himself and use those dollars elsewhere. But no, they brought in a coordinator. So they really have three guys now making coordinator salaries. I don't know who's making more than the other and what the exact numbers are. But so that's not going cheap. You spent the $1.5 million for Enos. And then Manny committed to letting him bring in a couple of his guys. So he brought in Stubbs and he brought in Butch Barry. And, um, you know, the Hickson hire, I believe, was Manny's hire. And the Steve Field hire was also Manny's hire to bring in a guy that he felt could help the recruiting effort. Um, So I'm not, you know, I mean, I don't think that he hired any of those guys because they're cheap. Well, you mentioned that there's three people getting paid coordinator salary on defense. Who are they? Well, you got Ephraim. No, yeah, but Banda. Banda and Patkey were going to be co-defensive coordinators, at least theoretically, when Manny but left to go to Temple. Money. But they weren't making that money. They were not getting They got salary. defensive no, coordinator was... contracts. Yes, they did. Now, that so money, like, are they, are they, were they going to make a million dollars each? No. But my guess is they were going to make four or 500000 each. Neither one's still making that, Gary. I'll tell you that right now. They're not. I don't know what they're, they're making. I, I just I know promise. that they got promoted to be coordinators. I'm telling you what they're making. They're making each 350 plus camp. But that we, we, I'm telling you, the point is you get one expensive guy and a bunch of guys that that guy might like, but they're not expensive guys. Mike is still the most expensive guy on the defense side of the ball, by the way, other than a, the coordinator position. But I'm just sharing what I know. Um, I told you guys that that was a major issue. It starts with making – the right hires. A savage young recruiter like Hartley, you should have never, never let, let him leave. You should never fire I agree. him. You I agree. Kept him, and you should have paid him some fucking cash. Because if you then you wouldn't that, even have had to. He would have stayed for the same thing he was making. There was no reason. There was no reason to jettison that guy. I well, totally agree. Major screw up on that. Major screw up on that. With Enos signing the two guys. I can tell you, neither one of those guys has made any type of impact with local recruiting. And go back to what I told you all summer, which it got so bad that I had a lot of issues, a lot of attacks. Where are all these people? When I said everything that was going to happen, everything I said was going to happen this summer based on recruiting has come to fruition. Where's everybody at? Because yesterday you had the 21 QB, and today you had the 21 local offensive tackles. Go else? That's the one that really stings. Marcus Tate and, and both is, 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 is going to be a, is a big time prospect, and for him to pull the trigger, basically a year and a half, in a, you know, well, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll say a year yeah. and two months in advance, and go to Clemson and and not even not even wait to be recruited by the Canes. I mean no, that that that's bad. It's no, bad. It's bad. It stings. And it just puts an exclamation point on what I know I've been saying is the biggest problem in the program. And but I, but you know, I, I know I know. made this clear to you guys on the offensive line. All the, the last two years, all of the quality offensive line talent in the Tri-County area, and you guys dismissed everything I said. That kid that's going to Oregon, 
he's he's a freaking horse. That Dennis kid, mm-hmm. he's solid. I can go on yep, and, and on and on. And uh, well, there, there were three. There were him. There was him. There's Isaiah Walker, who looks like he's going to Florida, although the Canes are still oh, fighting there. There was some good-looking stuff on Twitter today. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's a troll job or what, but I, you know, they're That's they're trying to hang it. Job. It might be, but they're That's trying to hang in there, job. and I give them credit for that. They're not just rolling over. Um, although I don't know how, I don't know who who was responsible for that kid sitting in the Florida section up in Orlando and not getting and, and an invitation from Miami and first. That's when we knew, and that's when yeah, we knew but, those guys weren't coming here, but brother. And I yeah, but that was, else. but that was not good. That was not good. That was actually really bad. But, um, and you know, yeah. And then there's this Marcus Tate and, and, and that's three recruitable offensive linemen over two cycles. And I, well, I guess there's a fourth that, you know, down coming down the road when you talk about Seymour. Um, but right now they're one for four. Gary, it's not good enough. And I told you guys, this no, summer, it's not good enough. I told you guys this summer, and oh, give him a chance. He just got here. He's learned bullshit. You either produce or you don't. Let's stop with this attitude of we're going to get there, and, and let's get the, let's take the blinders off. Well, you what it shows you, what it shows you is who you hire matters. Exactly, and who you it who matters you, when you come on board matters. And he screwed up, and he screwed up on many different situations. But the person who's got to go, if and I told you, didn't I tell you seven and five, eight and four at best? That's what I told you, right? You did, yeah. Seven and five. We'll see. Seven and five. We'll see if we get there. But I told you guys, the main thing they have to do is get rid of this athletic director who doesn't understand major college football. He he had to give Mario at least reach out to Oregon and ask for permission to speak with him formally. You don't have to. Didn't that's he do didn't, that. didn't. No, you don't have to ask for permission. Because he yeah. hates him. Well, no, technically, technically, conference to conference, you are supposed to put that call in. Yes, you are. That's, that's something that's it's not in writing anywhere, but that etiquette is still there amongst the best. So let me explain right. that one to you because that is true. And, and, and for him not to even do that and panic and right away hire. And look at Mark Rick today. He's making fun of us. He's trolling us. He's taking pictures on the beach, enjoying life. You know, he's talking about this, that, the other. He's trolling us because although a lot of the issues come from his side of the ball, his recruiting, it's a tough job. And you have to have someone that's young, energetic, and someone who's got the bravado to go into a mom's house, a dad's house, the local street agent's house, and take care of freaking business. And Manny ain't that guy. No, he's not. Well, you got, you, yeah, yeah, you, you got to have a presence. He's not. He's you got to have. He was never as a guy getting the recruits. He was coming uh, to, and he orchestrated the defense and he ran the defense. He wasn't an outstanding recruiter. No. And he didn't. He didn't. He didn't assemble a staff with a bunch of young guys. Now Steve Fields is a stud, and he's not that young. He's not a spring chicken, but and he's not an old guy. But you know, he's in his late thirties, early forties. But that guy knows. Everybody in South Florida. And that guy is good, but you need four more guys like that. No to doubt. To lock down this area. Yeah, he's not going to be able to do it by him. Can't do it by himself, no question. And he's not going to be able to do it. So going forward, what can you do? You ask, what do we do? Okay, this is what we do. We hope and we pray that this week they get better. 
We hope and we pray that there's some competition. There's some fights. There are no fights in practice this week. You want to know what's going to happen when we play Virginia Tech? It's not going to be good. It's going to be a loss because everybody knows how to attack this defense, this offense. And now everybody knows how to attack the defense. There's not one guy on the defensive line that impacts the game. Jonathan Garvin has good stats. But, brother, I don't care about how many pressures you put. How many times did you sack somebody? You know the one kid that I've seen just turn his motor on in one split second and and just totally engage three offensive linemen and sack a quarterback is that freshman kid, Greg Rousseau. That kid needs to play more. And why mm-hmm. in God's name is he only playing at nose tackle in passing situations? Come on, man. You put your best out there to go get the guy. Garvin has I one mean, sack in four games. One sack and like 16 pressures, but big deal. And he's rated by PFF. PFF Greg, Greg, Greg Russo has three sacks in four games, playing a lot, a lot fewer snaps. And, and, and they have to incorporate their best guys in passing situations on the field. I love patching the death, but that's not him. That's not him. And Ross made a lot of great points. And piggyback on some of the things I've said the last couple of weeks with the seven-step drops and the play action, everything that's slow developing on offense does not work with this group. You keep having Navon Donaldson going from the weeks from the strong side all the way around on a counter to the weak side. Guess what? By the time he gets there, that linebacker, that safety's already making a tackle. He can't get there. If I can see it, imagine all these college football coaches that just eat, live, and sleep this shit every day. Imagine what they're seeing. They're licking their chops. So unless he goes ahead and incorporates the spread with his, with his 12 personnel or his 31 personnel, whatever you want to call that, you got to have your, the most speed out there at once on offense, and you got to get rid of that ball quick. It's not a hard concept to grasp. It really isn't. But unless they're, gonna, they're willing to make these adjustments, and, and Ross pointed out, hey, this guy was a great court QB coach, but is he a coordinator? It's a very fair question. Well, what did I tell you when we hired him? Hey, but it's great we're hiring this guy, but why did he leave Bama? Oh, because nobody likes Saban and blah, blah, blah. No. If you're really freaking good like Steve Sarkeesian, you're still, you're still there. Or you go get a head coaching job somewhere that, in a Power 5 conference. He left because he didn't, he didn't work out there. Let's be honest here. Let's stop going ahead and saying that, no, he chose us over them, and it's always an ego thing with us. See what's in front of you, people. Hey, so just getting back for one second to what you were just talking about. So Russo's played 88 snaps and has three sacks. Garvin has played 200 snaps and has one sack. <laughs> what does that tell you, Gary? What does that well, tell you? Well, it, it, it supports what you're saying. Russo should be playing more. Okay, now look at look at Hill snaps. Hill snaps got like, what is that, like what, 68 snaps, 72 snaps? He's got like, what, six pressures, seven pressures. That kid's not totally healthy yet, but he's starting to he's, get his legs. He's got, ni- he's got 90, 92 snaps. How many sacks? How many pressures? Zero sacks? One, one, one sack. One sack. One sack, about six, seven pressures. He, yep. you know, Patchen, Patchen has play. 157 plays. One sack. Love him to death. Love him to death. He's great on first down, but come third, third and long, he's got to come out. 
you got to put your best out there. And and last, Russo is by far about, playing the best of the defensive ends. You know, I, I, on the way to on the way from work, <clears throat> on the way home, I had uh, one of the local stations that has the hurricane hotline. He was on there, by the way. Very articulate young man. He pointed out how he was basically a wide receiver and a safety until his junior year in, in, in high school and a little mm-hmm. bit of defensive line in his senior year. You take your best athletes and you put them out there. One mm-hmm. kid that's from garbage high school, Jafari Harvey. Have you ever seen that kid in practice? Yeah, he's a great-looking kid. No, have you seen him in practice? Have you seen him how he jumps off the ball, how he comes off the ball? Have you seen him? Yeah. Quick as a cat. Quick as a cat. No, no doubt. I hope they I hope they redshirt him this year. But yeah. <clears throat> you know what? But I got four games to take a peek at him. You know, you've got to go ahead and and distribute these these reps out there and these opportunities when you're playing the Bethunes. You don't have to have all your starters in in the middle of the third quarter on defense when you're playing Bethune Cookman. Well, they've gotten him in for 14 snaps this year so far. Yeah, we, we they got to do a better job, Gary. But you know, I I still see the same things are going to plague us. There's and, and I, I know I had one thing I had to ask. When are we getting Silvera back? Um, I think I, it looks to me like there's a chance for Virginia Tech. I mean, he's moving around pretty good from what I saw. Um, I'll, I'll try to take a harder look at and see what he's doing in practice tomorrow. Uh, but uh, it looked to me like he was like he was walking without it favoring anything and should be getting relatively close. It'll be what interesting to see what he can do. It'll be interesting to see if he can if he can uh, justify some of the hype he he's gotten. Well, that's why I wanted to ask you. Would you say that based on the spring practice at the spring game, and then uh, the fall camp until he got hurt? Was he dominating the line of scrimmage? No. I, I, I've never felt he was dominant. I'm going to be interested to see if he can become dominant. But I've never I've never felt he was a dominant player. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, everything. Gary, Thanks for being part of the show, man. Always a pleasure. We'll, we'll a pleasure. talk to you after the Virginia Tech game. And um, while I'm mentioning that on a programming note, uh, there will be no show next Tuesday night. We'll be back in two weeks after the um, – Virginia Tech game uh, with our next Kane Sport Live show. Let's go out to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. This is your boy, Sebastian. How you doing this evening? What's up, Sebastian? How you doing, man? I don't have pretty good news this week, man. I think if no, Miami you... was in the SEC, I think if we was in the SEC, we'd be the second worst team in the SEC. Uh-huh. Well, I don't think we'd be worse than Vanderbilt. I, I don't think we'd beat Vanderbilt. I don't know. They didn't look very good to me when I watched a little bit of that LSU game the other day. I don't think we'd beat Vanderbilt. Here's my point. You know, I've looked at, if if you look over the last four years, there's no way you can run a program if the last four years you haven't been able to recruit one starting left tackle. Four years. Mm -hmm. No argument from me on that one. You get four years and you can't recruit one starting left tackle. And I highlight that point because if Manny's looking at his team and he's trying to envision what he needs to do going forward, you got to fix that offensive line, and you got to fix it quick. 
If that means you got to go through the transfer uh, uh, transfer portal route, you got to go JUCO. Um, you know, it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be very very hard getting offensive linemen. And I don't buy the excuse that we can't recruit them in South Florida. I mean, come on. I mean, FIU FAU is not having that problem. You can't go four years and not recruit a starting left tackle. That's my that's that's my first point. I'm excited to see what Bubba Bolton is going to do in um, in the Virginia Tech game. But what I say a lot of is not that we don't have the talent on the back end and the secondary. I just don't think we have the experience. And we're blowing a lot of assignments. We're blowing a lot of coverage. And the communication is not all that great. You know, I like Robert Knows, bless his heart, but he's not a playmaker. I mean, when the ball's in the air, he's not making plays. The third point I want to make is, you know, we've got some internal culture issues that we need to fix because a lot of times it's not the fact that we're not getting talented players. It's just that for some reason, they're just not clicking. And I'll highlight this point, uh, this example to make my point. If you look at the Georgia Notre Dame game, I'm not saying Lawrence Cager won that game for him, but he made three plays in that drive and concluded the touchdown that, that he made. That was just absolutely incredible. If you go back and you watch that drive when he scores that touchdown, he makes three amazing catches. And the point I'm trying to make is good players make plays. You know, we blame the coaches so much because of the X's and O's and the this and that or whatever, but great players make games. I mean, I, I, I mean, win games. When we was battling Florida State and we was making that rise between the 99 to the 2002 uh, era, we had players who made plays. And what I don't see on this team is I see, I, I see a lot of, you know, you know, we like to blame it on the coaches and fault the coaches and stuff like that. But, when I mean, I mean Lawrence Cager was winning. I mean, he had brick hands, but he won a couple 50-50 balls when he was here. Yeah, I wouldn't have let him leave. I I I That's felt that they should have put up a much leave. bigger fight. I totally I, agree I with you. Let, I, I wouldn't have let I, I wouldn't have let him leave. To have that type of talent, to have that type of leadership, players make plays, and he made three plays on that drive for Georgia, who's a top five team. You know, who had five stars at receivers. They got Roberson. They got the other kid, the number one kid that decommitted from Auburn. But that senior transfer made plays. And so if, if, if I'm Manny and I'm talking to my team, it's not a matter of what we can – it's not a matter of this or that. It's are, we, are we instilling in our players that to be great, you've got to make plays. You've got to lay out. You've got to fight for the ball. You've got to make plays, you know. And so the last, the, the, the last point I want to make is, so when you look at this team from the standpoint of the inventory that we have or the collection of players, we're not nowhere near the 85 scholarship threshold. What is your philosophy in regards to maximizing the recruiting class and taking a bunch of transfers? Because as much as I like Murray playing special teams, we should have more talented players on the team being able to do that. I mean, we have not recruited – a good backup linebacker in the last four years. We haven't recruited one good. Sam Brooks is looking pretty good to me. Brooks. Brooks, yeah, he's looking. Brooks he's looking good. pretty he, good. He's the, but he's the only one, Gary, in four years. Now, I you agree. Disagree with me? 
Not at all. No, I totally one. agree. In four, in four years, he's the only one that we've been able to recruit in four years. So when I begin yeah, to look at this roster, I mean, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, some people might say, oh, Wilder got hurt and Steed got hurt, but there was no evidence that those guys were going to be better than Shaq and no. Pinkney. No, and I, and I think actually Brooks needs to be getting more burn. You know, he's not going to redshirt this year. So I think well, what they ought to, to do is give him more burn and they should redshirt McLeod so that they have them both next year. That's what I would do. You know, maybe they're in the – McLeod's hardly playing. So Gary, he's not doing – you know. He's not doing it. So I want you to put me on hold, but what I need from you is, because I always think that you, you're like the curse. The curse? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, because everything, everything you say comes to fruition. I mean, if, if, it's not like we walk That's not a season, curse. That's just know. understanding what I'm seeing and, and, and hopefully, I hope, knowing what I'm talking about. I mean, I try no, not to I talk mean, out my know. butt. No, but I mean, I mean, when you talk to the coaches, I mean, we're seeing stuff that is just blatantly obvious, and I'm just like, I mean, to not recruit a starting left tackle. I mean, ask ask the question. I'd love to ask the the coaches the question. How do we not recruit a starting left tackle in four years? How does that happen? But this is what I need you to do because I need you need to go on to your next call. You got to give us something that gives us some sort of optimism to even be engaged to just take it through for the rest of the season. There's absolutely no way that we should be that close against a Central Michigan team that's really not playing for anything and, and, and to look that horrible. So you, what, what are you going to tell us tonight? That gives I'm going to tell you that, 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 that they will have a chance to, to win around. every game. There, there's nobody they're playing that they're not going in on an even playing field against. Gary, you, you, you're giving us fool's gold. It's you not fool's gold. It's reality. Now, am I sitting here saying they're going to win eight in a row? No, I'm not saying that at all. My feeling is the way this program is, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Gary, in two weeks, we're going to be on this phone call. We're going to talk about how the Hurricanes had a bye week, and they came out flat against Virginia Tech, and they laid an egg. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. I hope not, because it gets tougher the next week against Virginia, so. Hopefully they right, come out ready and they, they they take care of Virginia Tech. All right, Sebastian, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, man. Thanks for being right, part of the show. All right, guys, I'm going to take a moment here to talk about one of my favorite restaurants, and I think by now you know which one that is. I actually had some Sicilian oven tonight. I was over in Plantation this afternoon, popped in the, to Sicilian oven, picked up some some wings and some pizza, and and brought it home and had it for dinner. And um, it really, really, really was phenomenal. And I don't have to tell you all the hundreds of places around South Florida where you can go get a pizza or even some Italian food. But there's no place, no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has six locations throughout South Florida. A lot of you guys that listen to the show have – once you heard about Sicilian Oven, have gone to one of those locations and tried their great food. And the feedback I get every time is, wow, you were right. Sicilian Oven really knows how to do it. And um, great lunch specials. I go in there very often, just have, have a little pizza for lunch, and always end up bringing some extra food home for the wife who loves Sicilian Oven as well. 
At Sicilian Oven, they offer a new way of dining with a philosophy based on the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. And many of these recipes have been handed down from generations through the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. And um, how often have you been eating great Italian food and you, and you, you just walked out of there and said, wow, man, I, 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 I wish I had someone in my family that could cook great Italian food like that, because there's nothing like great Italian food. And that's what they have at Sicilian Oven. Um, it begins with their pizzas. I mean, obviously, that's a specialty. They have traditional toppings, and they also have gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you're going to find at the nearest corner at Domino's or Papa John's or Little Caesars or Pizza Hut. You love wings? Sicilian Oven's wood-fired rings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and served with caramelized onions. Sicilian Oven also offers a wide array of specialty dishes with eggplant and mussels and shrimp. They have soups, sandwiches, salads, pasta dishes. No matter your taste, you will find something great at Sicilian Oven with six locations throughout South Florida. And I hope some of you on your way to the game the other day, because you needed to be on a nice full stomach to get through uh, that Central Michigan performance. Hopefully you stopped by the plantation location at the Fountains Complex off University Drive or the Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne, and you bought some food for your tailgate. Need a place to eat great food and watch a road game? Well, how about their location at Lighthouse Point, where they have an expanded outdoor dining area now at the shops at Beacon Light? How about the Fort Lauderdale location, Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview, where they have a full liquor bar? Or locations in Coral Springs on Sample Road and 101st and in Boca Raton? So get on over to your nearest Sicilian Oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit them at SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You'll not only love the taste, you'll taste the love. And we're going to be coming up soon on that Sicilian Oven point counterpoint segment of our show, where we're going to be joined by Mr. Russell Maryland, one of the greatest defensive linemen to ever wear a Miami Hurricanes uniform, a guy that won the Outland Trophy was the number one pick in the NFL draft and went on to a great career in the National Football League. So looking forward to that one coming up here in a few minutes. But now let's get back to your calls. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. You hit the one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. And let's go out now to the 941. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Gary. It's Mike Kane, and guess what? <laughs> What's up, man? What you got? What do I got? What do you think I did after this game? You went to Sicilian Oven. You're right. You're absolutely right, and you were just <laughs> talking about that. Yes. I went to Sicilian Oven. Okay. The first thing I did, when I sat down, I turned my head to the left, and guess what I saw? I saw Lawrence Kadrick catch that touchdown pass. With Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, huh? It's a good thing you're eating good food while you're watching that. 
Uh, yeah. Well, I had their calzone. We had the cheese pizza. And man, I walked out and I said, wow, thank you, Gary. <laughs> I'm not lying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You sure are. Well, I got a couple of points to make. I'll try to make them quick because I know you got some other calls coming in. Um, first of all, Gary, number one, is it time to sound the alarm? <laughs> Especially when it comes to in regards to recruiting. <laughs> um, recruiting, I'll sound a few alarms. Yeah. And what about the play calling? Uh, what do you think of that? I the mean, play calling, I'm not, I'm not hung up on that at this point. I, you know, I, I think Danny Nose is still finding his way with the, with these guys. It's a new situation, a new offense, new quarterback, new offensive line. Um, I think he's still kind of feeling his way, learning what they're good at, what they're not good at, and I would hope that that will look better as the year goes on. You know, I'm not. Um, no, I'm not sounding any alarms about play calling at this point. Okay. And here's what Paul – I know some people are, though, but I'm not. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Well, here's one thing that really kind of puzzles me, and I'm sure it puzzles you too. Uh, why is why is left tackle Nelson uh, left on an island with no help? You get some help from a tight end, a back, something? Yeah, I, I can't – I can't argue with that one. I mean, I, I, you know, from day one, going back to the Florida game, like, I, like whatever ever made anybody think, and I guess anybody would be Dan Enos, Butch Barry, Manny Diaz. What, what made them think that that kid's going to hold up out there by himself? Like in passing situations in particular, you know, right. you have to, you, you got to give them help. I think, I don't, I don't know if there's any other way. I mean, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm lost for words on that one. Oh, there was a there was a call about uh, offensive solutions. I I'll, I'll give a couple just to throw out there. How about more quick throws, like two second drops and throw the ball? Uh, how about yeah, Ross Ross games? brought that up earlier. You know, no it doubt is. that's got to be something on the table. Um, and how about some screens, like bubble screens, middle screens, you know, side screens. And Jaron, we we've seen those. If, we have we we've seen a fair number of screens. Yeah, yeah, and also, if nobody's open, Jaron, you can run. You can run up the middle. There were a couple times I saw that uh, he could have ran up the middle and gotten some yards. He might not have picked up the first down, but he could have done something. Don't you think? Or no? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely times he could run. Yeah. Or throw the ball away. I mean, if he's the pocket's collapsing and you got no receivers open, you can throw the ball away. Don't take a sack. Don't take a sack. Uh, well, here, here's my thing against Virginia. Maybe some quick plays like flea flickers or reverse reverses. Now keep in mind, I don't know what they got. I don't know the personnel. I I don't. I'm not there at practice, so I don't know. You know, any any chance. You know, so throw some trick plays in there against Virginia. What do you think? Your opinion. No, nah, yeah. how do I? I have no idea. Uh, and even if I did, and if I did know, which I don't, they'd kill me if I talked about it. So oh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what trick plays they have in the arsenal. Right, right. And on defense, uh, Greg Russo, he he needs to be out there more. 
I I think he's doing. Uh, yeah, I just I just went over the numbers. I mean, it definitely backs that up. I mean, he he's been highly productive in, in the time that he has played. And uh, his grade his grades with Pro Football Focus are very very high. Oh yeah, yeah, no, without a doubt. And what's up with Tate being out there instead of Pope? Is is Pope hurt? Is Mark Pope still hurt? He well, he was yeah he he was sitting out this last game yes. But I mean, I still say like, the, the, to me, like I don't see Wiggins doing a lot. Like maybe like give him more of an opportunity. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know why you would rather have Tate Martell on the field before him. Um, like, even the freshman Jeremiah Payton, you know, should be able yeah. to give you more. Or well, you mentioned Wiggins. That kid can run 23 miles an hour, or so I read. Yeah, he's got great speed. I mean, they got it. I mean, you, he's he's a long receiver with great speed. I don't understand how he cannot be more involved. Maybe he drops a lot of balls in practice, but I mean, to me, like that's a guy that that could really help you. Yeah. Just on the well, just on the, the the raw ability that he seems to have, and he did it last right. year. He had some yeah. decent moments last year. Yeah, he did. He didn't. Well, I can't remember how many passes he dropped. So you know, if if we're having a conversation, how could this offense get better? I mean, maybe getting D. Wiggins involved is is would be one of the answers. Yep. Yep. Maybe get Jeremiah Payton in there too a little bit. And they might be trying to redshirt him, and I think that would be a good thing if if they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. We got four games. Four games to redshirt is that is that that's correct, right? Yeah, he could play four games yet. Oh God, Jerry, don't yawn. You're gonna get me yawning. It is getting late. So. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's all I got for right now. And uh, after Virginia Tech, I'm gonna head over to Sicilian Oven and try their cold <laughs> <laughs> you're, you, you've been converted, huh? Well, that's that's great to hear. I've been hooked. I've been hooked, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> you're hooked. Well, hopefully you'll see. Hopefully you'll you'll see some other guys there with you. Oh yeah. Well, hopefully I'd see you there. <laughs> but you don't. Need Not to after hear games. Me. No, you won't see me there after a game. No, we're too busy working. Oh yeah, yeah, I understand that. So, all right, Gary, I'm gonna let all you right, go. Mike, you. All right, Mike. Thank you for being part of the show, man. All right, take care. Bye-bye now. You got it. All right, let's go out to the 917. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 917, you with us? Going once. Going twice. We can't we can't hear you. So, I'm going to have have to move on. Let's go to the uh 786. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Yeah, that's you. Who's this? Yep. Uh, this is Cree. Hey, what's up, Cree? Hey, just a couple of quick points. Um, How you doing, man? I'm all right. Um, I hear a lot of the callers, they always call and complain about this, that, and the third, which, you know, they should be. But um, what did Nick Saban win at Michigan State? Nothing. Did he win at LSU his first year? No. Did he win at Alabama his first year? No. We're going to go to Dabo Sweeney. What did he win his first few years at Clemson when they when he always had top talent, this, that, and the third, but he could never get over hump, get over the hump. Let's give these kids some time. Let's give Manny Diaz some time. And 
we gonna see how it plays out. And you can put me on hold after this. And like buddy like the the guy Sebastian was, um Miami would be a bottom dweller at in the SEC. Let's get this straight, Gary. Let's be real with ourselves. As much talk as it is about the SEC, let's let's let reality really kick in. Alabama is the only team gonna come out of the SEC. Okay, y'all talk about the SEC this. Alabama, maybe Georgia, LSU. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Al- Alabama, LSU, Georgia. The rest of it is really Auburn, nothing. Auburn's not bad. Uh, I mean, I, mean, I don't know whether they can beat, I don't know that they can beat any of, uh, of those three other teams, but they're they're not a bad team. Yeah, you're right. They're not a bad team. But in the end, at the end of the day, we all know it's going to be Alabama. This we know. And then it's like this, Gary, with all the complaining and all these over-the-phone coaches and this and that and the third. Guess what, Gary? It's 120 other FBS schools they could root for. Go root for them. You got Alabama. You got Clemson. Well, you got but but that's State. not fair. I mean, isn't living and dying with every game and every loss and every poor performance, isn't that part of being a fair, fan of a team you root for? Like, yeah, I think, listen, I think I've been, most I've fans are like that. I, I listen, I'm a diehard Kane fan. I'd be ready to break my TV when they lose. But All right. our record – our record says we are who we are. We are, we two and two. I mean, it's like we calling for we calling for the heads already. Uh, well, I, Danny, I mean that's not, yeah, for, that's not reality. But 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 what's your standard? Like what what's acceptable to you? Like what? I mean, listen, it's 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 not acceptable. But I'm like um one of the guys when he says seven and seven and five or eight and four. The thing is, I'm just looking at it long term, Gary. I'm not really looking at this year. Okay, we are gonna get all the kids experience. But just look at this 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 same picture, Manny Diaz pain. We can't look at it right now because it's not finished. We got to look at this picture a couple of years down the road, and it's just due to the fact we have. Do you consider this year one? Do you consider this year one, or do you consider this year four? This year one. It got. It has to be year one because everything is all new. Everything is new, pretty much. Everything is just like Manny said. It was a clean slate. Everything is pretty much. Brand but isn't it? New, but, but isn't it also pretty much a continuation of what was started under Mark Richt? Yeah, but this. The I mean, thing, I, I mean, like you have a new, new offensive system, but you have the, you oh, know, the okay. same, largely okay. the same okay. players. And, oh, and perfect point. Okay, check check this out, Gary. Let me ask you something. Okay, is it more or less with some coaches? Is is their system or is the players? I know sometimes you have to have both. But in, in more cases than not, just say, like, look at Nick Saban. Look at Dabo Swinney. It's more or less they system along with the players that they have. Right now, we don't have either. This is a first-year coach, first-year first coordinator. I mean, we have a freshman left tackle who, who is 240 pounds. Like, come on, Gary, we got we got a right tackle. I would say the, I would say the truth's in the middle, in fairness. I mean, you know, yeah. Manny handpicked, handpicked every player on defense. Other than the linebackers, other than the linebackers who he inherited. Um, okay, let me ask you something, Gary. Just say, we're, like, okay, we can't hit on some of the kids down here. This is the thing. Just say, like, even with Clemson. Tell me the last time um, one of Clemson offensive linemen went in the first round. Like, it's, it's apples and oranges sometimes. And just like I said, we're not giving Manny and, and the rest of the staff, we're not giving them – that that the time that they need, and then you, we also have to think half of these are not his players. 
These are other people players. So, I mean, at time, he's going to be able to recruit where he should be able to recruit, but that that comes with winning. You have to win first. If you don't win, then the kid's not going to come. That's plain and simple. That's with anybody. Like, I don't care where you at. If you're not winning, kids are not coming, point blank, period. But it, it, it sure doesn't help to um get on radio waves, get on the Internet and bash kids and this and that. I mean, if you want to be a cane, you coming. If you don't, you not. And and it's just that simple, just like with DJ Dallas. When he wanted, he let it be known he wanted to be a hurricane, nothing to it. That's where I'm going. Like, these kids, like, feel some, a lot of them feel self-entitled, like, go earn it. Go earn it. But just like I say, Gary, it's 120 teams for, for people to go root for. Give, give Manny time to paint his picture and, and, and establish the culture that he's trying to establish. I mean, it's four games. Well, I think it's people games, are, yeah. and and even if they don't want to, I don't think they have a choice. Like, you know, I mean, this is like it, this is his first year, and you know he's gonna get a fair shot. So it's yeah. I mean, I don't think that's even an issue right now. But but I'm just saying. As but far if as, like, you think some of the fans, but if you like, think they're gonna lose games or play the way they did against Central Michigan, no, and people aren't gonna be and and, and no, wait. But if you think that's gonna happen, wait, wait, wait. If you think that's gonna happen, and people aren't gonna sound off and have things to say about it, that's not reality. Yeah, I, I, listen, I understand that, Gary. I've been rolling with the Hurricanes since I was Snellenberger. I had the Orange Bowl, so I've been around. I haven't just came around, but this is the All thing. Right, well, you, like remember, said, Jimmy, you, you remember a guy named Russell Maryland? Yeah, I know. I, that was my man, number one pick for the okay. Dallas Cowboys. All right, well, I, I got him on the line now, so I'm, I got to let you go. I, I think you'll understand the – Okay, it's no, it's no problem. He he he's an eighties he's an eighties king. He know what it's about. <laughs> he know what it takes. But, but even, right. just like even with Russell Maryland, it takes a little time. He know that. He know All that. Right. All right, hey man, listen. Thank you for being part of the show. We'll talk to you down the road. Give us a call next time. All right. All right. So guys, it's now time for that segment we've all come to love, and that's the Sicilian oven. Point Counterpoint with uh, Bruce Warner, the voice of the fan, who each week is joined by a former Canes player. And uh, this week's guest, as I mentioned, is Russell Maryland, who's one of the most intimidating and dominating defensive linemen from his era of college football and certainly in Canes history. He was the first Miami player to win the coveted Outland Trophy for the nation's top interior lineman. He did that in 1990, and he captured virtually every award in his grasp during that outstanding senior season. He was a first-team All-American selection by the Associated Press, UPI, Kodak, the Walter Camp Football Foundation, the Football News, the Sporting News, and any other kind of news that wanted to put out an All-America team. He finished his career with 279 tackles, 25 of them for losses, and 20.5 quarterback sacks. And just to put that in perspective, um, I think Miami's defensive tackles this year through four games have five tackles. So, um, you know, that kind of gives you an idea of the kind of play that Russell Maryland was uh, putting forth from that defensive tackle position. First player chosen in the 1991 NFL draft by the Dallas Cowboys. He spent 10 years in the league with the Cowboys, the Raiders, and the Green Bay Packers. He won three Super Bowls with the Cowboys. So just an absolutely in, incredible football career, and um, now he's here with us tonight. Um, Bruce and Russell, welcome to Kane Sport Live. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Hey, Gary, you know, you forget, because I know Russell, like 30 years, 
Ask him what, how many stars he had. Because Russell, they've been talking about Miami needs four and five stars. What were you, minus two stars? And you turned out to be pretty damn incredible. So the stars don't necessarily mean anything. And, and, and you can talk about this tonight, what it was like being a cane back then and, and the competition in practice and how hard it was. And, look, you know I know all these all the guys. I talk to them. You know that. So it, it's just it was an incredible experience to play with you guys. You just hated to lose. Talk about some of this stuff. And when you got here, very lightly recruited. What was going on? Sure, sure. And uh, just uh, first of all, thank you for having me on tonight. And uh, oh, Thank you yeah. for coming on. Oh, no, no problem, no problem. As, as Bruce said, he and I go back a long time, back to those baby days, uh, you know, when uh, I was in the dingy apartment <laughs> and, uh, and, had, and had absolutely no money. So, uh, um, yeah, it was a blessing to have gone through that, uh, you know, uh, that gauntlet that they call the you know, University of Miami Hurricanes back in those days. He's totally right. Um, every Every day in practice, was a practice you have to come phys- uh, physically and mentally ready for because you're going up against uh, the best in college football. And not only were they uh, some of the best talented guys, but they were, um, you know, these guys competed day after day after day. And so our formula um, was to compete at the highest level every chance that we got so that when Saturday rolled around, then those games will be easy. And, uh, you know, eight times out of ten, that's, that's what happens uh, because we practice so hard during the course of the week. It wasn't what we did on Saturdays. It was what we did on Sunday through Friday that made the difference back in those days, guys. When you got there, who was your mentor? Was Jerome there still or had he left? Oh, no, Jerome was there. That was his, his final year. of 1986. I stepped foot on campus, and I was – uh, you know, I'm uh, not uh, a highly recruited kid out of Chicago. I mean, uh, Coach Alexander, Hubbard Alexander, who was wide receivers coach at the time, made rest in peace. Um, he uh, made it a point to get at least one, maybe two guys out of Chicago area, the area that he recruited every year. And he was deep in the south side of Chicago looking for kids. Uh, um, you know, he, Alvin Ward, uh, the year before me, Roger Holder, offense, both offensive linemen. Uh, and then uh, my year, I, you know, I wasn't – nobody really knew who I was. Um, the only thing that I had going for me was that I had some pretty good grades at a pretty good high school uh, in the city of Chicago. As a matter of fact, it was the same high school that Michelle Obama had come out of a couple of years earlier. So, hmm. you know, uh, I was in the same hall as Michelle Obama was, you know. So we that, that was a pretty good school. Um, academically, and I had I never had any problems with academics. Uh, yeah, well, your parents kind of, were pretty good. They were, you know, they were on you. I know your parents. I, I know. Oh yeah, yeah. You know how that goes, man. My parents <laughs> didn't take no stuff. You know, Big Jim, man. Like, <laughs> Big Jim Merrill didn't take no crap, man. He was a hardworking uh, father. For, you know, he worked for thirty years for Chrysler. Worked hard. My mom worked for the Chicago Police Department. And uh, they wanted good grades. That was, we owed them good grades, me and my brother. So, um, But uh, coming through high school, I wasn't highly recruited. I just, uh, you know, I, I was a little bit overweight. And um, I just uh, really didn't understand what college football was all about. Didn't really care if I played college football or professional football, that, for that matter, as a 17-year-old. 
and then, uh, you know, nobody recruits me. The signing day comes and goes. Uh, but unbeknownst to me, my father has sent a videotape, a VHS tape of me down from Chicago, 1,500 miles all the way to the University of Miami doorstep, and uh, Coach Johnson gets it, and, uh, you know, they say, well, you know what, this guy got the grade. Let's go take a chance on him. They took a chance on me and signed me sight unseen uh, pretty much, except for a couple of uh, Coach Alexander. And I signed on the dotted line. My dad said, hey, son, uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> I can see your father hey, say, here's the pen, sign this right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said, that's, that's a no-brainer, dummy. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and that I did. Um, and, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, I found myself on the uh, University of Miami College campus uh, at the Hex Center on Green Tree Practice Field with the likes of Vinny Tessaverde, Vinny and Brian Blade, uh, Dan Cilio, <laughs> Dan Stubb, and then, you know, the big man on campus was Jerome Brown. Just intimidating as, as, as all get out, you know, and um, uh, Jerome was, a, he was the man, you know, he was, uh, he was, he was my mentor and uh, I tried to emulate everything that he did. And you wound up mentoring uh, Cortez. Oh, wow, man. Yeah. Right? You wound up mentoring Cortez when got here. And that's part of the things that we talk about, though, Russell, is that who are the leaders on the teams now? There's no such thing as as a Jerome or a Russell or a Cortez. They don't exist. Not even close. I'll I'll tell you one thing, and you know this is true. You guys didn't play as true freshmen. You probably didn't even play as sophomores. You got in as juniors and seniors, (laughs) and you made your mark. These kids, last year, some of these guys came in as true freshmen, and they didn't play, and they're bitching and moaning. They didn't get in. I'm going to transfer. You guys were not like that. You wanted to win. It wasn't about me, me, I. You know that, especially sure. you. You wanted to win. Your your team was all about winning. You didn't give a damn about individuals. I know you. The Outland Trophy didn't mean a damn thing to you. You wanted to beat Texas in that cotton ball game. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, guys, uh, uh, and, I, and I'll talk to you about that. I'll speak to that uh, as far as today's players later. It's, uh, really, it's just a matter of uh, the, the difference in eras, man. You know, we're talking about 30 years difference from, you know, 1989 to 2019. And, you know, back in 1989, uh, I can attest to the fact that uh, you you got on campus, you knew you weren't going to hit the field for a couple of years, so you just might as well just uh, sit there and love it and be on the scout team uh, and try to get your way off, off that scout team somehow, some way try to impress somebody by just working hard and continuing to work hard on that, uh, on that uh, level for a long time and not get tired of it. But some guys fell by the wayside, man. Those that, uh, you know, that stop working hard, they usually find themselves off, you know, off the team, out of school, or, you know, just disappear. So that's what we want. We, didn't, we, we care about not being the weak link or, you know, on the team, in opposition group, in practice that day. Uh, and and that's, I think that's what made the tradition of University of Miami so great back in those days. Now, fast forward you know, 30 years later, uh, here, here I am as a 50-year-old adult with three kids, two of which are uh, in college right now <laughs> and at the University of Miami or have gone through the University of Miami with the son here that's playing football today, uh, kids today, um, I think, have been really, really highly affected by 
social media. I agree and, with you. Uh, I mean, it, it's really just, I mean, simple. I mean, social media, uh, you know, uh, and just the times uh, of today that have made the kids a, a lot more me-centered. You know, mm-hmm. hey, look at me. Look at this video I made of myself, you know, just being the greatest person ever. Uh, and just, uh, you know, I'm the greatest player ever. Uh, me, 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 me. And everything is a little bit more uh, self-centered. And that's just by virtue of, uh, you know, everybody having that camera phone and the ability to broadcast themselves out to the public every single day at any, uh, at any given moment. And so while you know, these young kids are being more me-centric, uh, you know, they tend to forget that it's a team thing, you know. It's, uh, you got to go out there and perform as a team, not uh, 11 different individuals at a time on the football field. Yeah, you know, I made a po- I commented today on a post on Kane Sport, which is Gary's um, his website. And I said something about when you watch these kids announce where they're going, They've been following this LeBron James nonsense. I'm taking my talents to Miami for the next three or <laughs> yep. four years. Three or four years. They've got their right, asses right. halfway out the door already. They think they're yeah, in the NFL. before they even get there. No doubt. Yeah, that's, and it's, a, it's a sad uh, uh, state of how, how things have gone, or how things have changed in these days. But they've seen some guys be successful at it, like a LeBron, you know, uh, but they don't realize that those guys, uh, when they're really at their peak, those uh, the guys that play with them uh, are the real heroes. Uh, and those are the guys that help them to make uh, championships, to get championships. So, um, Russell, you know, you know who the most valuable yeah. employees is now in a, in a, in the in these college football programs. It's it's the graphic artists that send the kids the graphics to use on Twitter. No, I'm not joking. It's unbelievable. I, it's serious. I know. I believe that because I've seen some. Oh, I've seen some crazy looking, uh, you know, things on on these Twitter uh, accounts and on the internet. I'm like, man, this guy looks like he's the greatest thing of all time, you know. And, uh, <laughs> hey, but, but really what would it have been like? So much. Like, you know, you you talk about all the guys you played with, and you had some, obviously some real characters. I mean, those were the heyday. What would it have been like yeah. if social media existed when Russell Maryland played for the Canes? I can, I can tell you right now, Mark Seaver would not have played one game, and Leonard Conley wouldn't have played any either. <laughs> Am I right, Russ, or what? <laughs> Hey, we'd have had we'd have uh, about sixty, seventy different nuts running around the University <laughs> of Miami campus. <laughs> you had some teammates. Yeah, we did. We had some guys, man. We had some guys, but you know what? Those guys, man, uh, for the most part, were ballers, man. And uh, we learned from each other, and we took the time to uh, to stand in line. Um, it's, uh, it's not that old microwave thing. I step on campus, I start. Uh, I go to the NFL in one, you know, one to three years, depending on the sport. It's uh, you wait your turn, you pay your dues, and then you, uh, if you've earned it, you get out there and you perform. Now I'm trying to put the car before the horse. Yeah, and I, you know, and and the guy who we saw at the Hall of Fame who got inducted, you know, our buddy Stephen McGuire. We've had him on the show. We asked him. He said, "How, how in, in every big game like the Florida State games and whatever." 
when everybody in the stadium knew you were going to get the ball, you still got a first down on third and short or whatever. He says, because of practice. Because when I had the ball in practice and I had to, I had to get past you and Cortez and Caesar <laughs> and uh, and all these other guys. He didn't mention he didn't mention Dwayne Johnson, although you guys called him Dewey. That's what I hear. That's some goofball name. Dewey, Dewey yeah, Dewey, right? Dewey, not, right? not 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 Dwayne and not the Rock. But so Steve's right. You know, it was harder for him to get a yard in practice than it would be in a game. So I understand that that logic. I mean, you guys oh, were a, a, a unit, and of course, standing behind you. I've talked to Darren Smith. He's he's been on the show and Jesse and Michael, they all say the same thing. If it wasn't for you guys as the defensive tackles, they wouldn't have been so good. It all this whole defense predicated on what the tackles do and it just shoots off from there. You know, so everybody we've had, we've had Ryan McNeil, all these guys have been on the show. They credit you and the in the in the defensive line because the havoc you created made their jobs that much easier. Well I tell you what, that's a, a awesome thing to hear because we, it, you know, and it goes. It comes down to one word: just pride, man. We prided ourselves, uh, you know, to come out to practice every day and to challenge whoever was in front of us, offensive lineman, whether it was Rod Holder, Darren Handy, Mike Sullivan, or whomever, Luke Cristobal, or it, it didn't matter. Leon Kersey, he challenged yeah, and, those guys. Claude Jones, who's now a medical doctor, but we call him Doctor Kavorkian, yeah, yeah. but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Don't let me forget about Doctor Doctor Jones. Doctor Jones. Do you ever you ever take any credit for chasing Dwayne Johnson into into the, the movie business because you never you wouldn't let him on the field? The wrestling business. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. he had to sit in the back of the room just like you know, like everybody else, you know. And, uh, yep. Just like when I started, I, I had to sit in the back of the room and watch. Watch Jerome cut up and listen to Jerome cut me up, you know, as a rookie, and and, and order me around. And so I said, you know what? Hey, uh, <laughs> it worked with Jerome. Let's try with old with old Dewey here in the back of the room, you know. But did uh, you ever you know, imagine he would be at the end of the day? Do you ever imagine he would that? become the Rock? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, not in a million years, guys. Not in a million years. I mean, Dwayne was so quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't. He didn't seem like he had that. You know that uh, that that personality that you see on the big screen. He never really did show it, you know, because he just he, you know what it was. He he knew his place. He knew his place, you know, and um, he, he just uh, that just wasn't something that uh, was in him because he had you know guys like me, guys like Cortez at the head of the room, and uh, he, he just said, you know what, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna t- take my time and uh, I'm not gonna get ahead of myself. <laughs> One of the things we I, I want to talk to you about before we let you go is the the, the real backstory on what happened pre Cotton Bowl game with with uh, you know with the offensive Stan Thomas and that whole thing and the, and you know that you, you know that I was really close to Mark and those guys and they were calling me every day from Dallas they were telling me to sell my house sell my kids sell my wife. We're going to beat the shit out of these guys and, you know, the stuff about you and that they weren't letting – you guys couldn't go to the strip clubs and you got off the plane and the cotton in the bag. They were – you guys were just pissed off. And I heard there was a fight among you guys. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy, man. You know, um, the, the, you know, with, uh, the, the whole thing really just started. Uh, we, You know, we, we touched down in Dallas. Uh, last game of the season, the Cotton Bowl, uh, the 91 Cotton Bowl after that 90 season. 
and I can't remember what we were. We were, we were three and Texas was four, or Texas was – or vice versa. I think but, Texas uh, you know, was we, two and you were four. Something that like that. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So we were already pissed after, you know, having lost to BYU, which we went up there and messed around with Todd Dittmer and his bunch, and then losing to Notre Dame, you know, at Notre Dame. That, that, that just killed us, you know. So we were – kind of upset in ourselves that we shot ourselves in the foot to be in that position to be number four, not be playing for the championship. You know, it was, it was beneath our standards. Well, anyway, we get to Dallas and after practicing in sunny Miami. Dallas in January is, uh, can be pretty mucky. Uh, it's cold and damp. It was, <laughs> it, we, it was, when we touched down, we got like, ooh, you know, it's 50 degrees and uh, raining and overcast. And we're practicing in Texas Stadium, AstroTurf Field, and the, with the hole in the roof, and the snow is coming down inside our practices. And we're just like, man, this is crazy, man. You know, Jesse, man, you and, you and Kevin Williams told us it was going to be better than this. <laughs> we're like, come on, man. You guys uh, you gotta let us down, man. Uh, we, thought, we thought Dallas was going to be the truth. And uh, it's, uh, it's crazy cold here. And uh, so – Jesse and those Dallas guys, Kevin Smith and all of those other guys took took offense to it. You know, they, they were kind of seasoned that whole week, and it, 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 so and what so what really added insult to the injury was Stan Thomas um, coming out in the papers, the newspapers, the Dallas Morning News or Dallas Times Herald at the time said that hey, this Russell Merrill, I just won the Outland Trophy the week before and uh or a few weeks before and he comes out in the newspaper and we had well we had just met him at a two team event, some kind of a you know, cowboy event in Dallas. Uh we you know we we meet both teams and I guess they're looking at us across the room, we're looking at them. But then eventually we kinda of loosen up and you know, Stan Thomas comes over to me and shakes my hands like, Hey man, you're a great player, man. I look forward to playing you uh, on game day. And we shake hands, and I'm like, hey, gee, that guy's not so bad after all. <laughs> then the very next day in the newspaper, he said that, you know, that Russell Maryland, he might as well bring his outlet trophy and bring it to the 50-yard line and put it down so I can take it. Because <laughs> uh, he's not going to – we're going to tear him up on game day. And so uh, all the guys are like, uh, he's, this guy must be nuts. I mean, we just met him last night, and uh, – so it just uh, it, we we were we were even more fired up then. So the night before the game, we have a, a, a meeting, the team meeting, the final team meeting before the game, and you know the coaches leave the room and the the, uh, the hotel, and we're in the ballroom, about to get our last season in, and um, <laughs> we we. Uh, I speak, you know, one of the is, you know, I speak and say something and try to fire the guys up. Or Greg Erickson speaks and says something to fire the guys up. And then uh, next thing you know, Mark Caesar gets up and talks about how ugly the Dallas girls are. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he had to be in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, hey, that, that, uh, hey, Jesse and uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Williams. 
and all the, the rest of the Dallas guys are like, hey, man, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, maybe we shouldn't have let the sophomores peak, you know. <laughs> yeah, we used to recruit in Dallas in those days. Those were the good old days when oh, we'd yeah. get a couple guys <laughs> from Texas every year. Hey, Russ, have you, how much uh, Hurricane oh, yeah. football have you watched this year? You know what? I haven't watched, been able to watch a whole lot. Uh, you know, I don't get the ACC network where I am. And, uh, you know, I saw a little bit. I was traveling and got a chance to saw a little bit of the uh, Florida game in Waco when I was – but I didn't get a chance to see a lot of it. So, um, I must say I'm not up on it. But I do realize – uh, uh, and I looked at the score and looked at some of the highlights of the last game, and it seemed to me, I think the biggest problem when you have when you go up against a team, maybe like a Central Michigan, after having come off of an easy win against a Bethune-Cookman, I think guys looked like they, uh, they rested on their laurels a little bit and weren't really ready mentally. And Central Michigan comes down and wants to knock the big boys off. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, to, to answer your question, I, I haven't seen a lot of them, but uh, I think they could have played a lot better uh, offensively. Uh, defensively, they did a decent job only holding the 12, but I think they could have done a lot better offensively. I wish they would stop scheduling Bethune-Cookman and FAMU. Like, like th- those games do absolutely nothing, in my opinion. Well, you know uh, – I do, I do something from Bill Cookman, I guess, and Fab you. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, after having played a big uh, one of your big games against Florida and losing, and then it's kind of like a big uh, letdown. You're not against BCC, but it's kind of like a big letdown to come and have to play a, a Bethune Cookman, and then uh, then you say, okay, well, it's Central Michigan. They probably took them for granted. I'm sure they took them for granted also, and, and treat them or tried to prepare. Like they were, and Central Michigan had another thing coming for them, and uh, you know, um, and also I also know that they had had a bunch of penalties too that hurt them, hurt themselves. So, you know what I say to this? Um, I say just give them, give them a little time. Uh, you know, even though Coach Diaz has been here and uh, he's been uh, under, you know, you know the head of the defense for the last couple of years. I mean, this is his first time as head coach, and, uh, you know, you've got to give him a chance to really ingrain that culture, his culture, into the whole team. Uh, and um, I think that if he can uh, ingrain that culture that he has in the defense, the emotional excitement of the game, and uh, instill the pride of being a Miami Hurricane, uh, it's a, it's a all all aspects of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, I'm for sure that you know, uh, shortly in short order here, he'll get it together. Uh, may by, may not be totally this year because they got a strong, a strong stretch coming up. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one to say give him a, give him a chance. All right, buddy. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on. We, the Canes fans, love you. They always will, you know. And uh, and even oh, me, I, I love you too, buddy. Say hi to your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I will. And you know what? I, I want to say to all the Canes fans that uh, you know what? I, you know, I'm in the Dallas area now. Been here since I retired from the NFL. And, but uh, you know, everywhere I go, every time I come down there, man, the, the Canes fans show me so much love. You know, even all these years, 28 years later since I've been on campus, you know. So I appreciate all the love that the Kane fans give me well, from far and near. Even though you signed with Lee yep. Steinberg, that's okay. 
I don't hold it against you. <laughs> we went to the Super Bowl together when the Giants beat Buffalo. That was a great game. So, so one one last thing. Yeah. So when we were at the at Stephen McGuire's induction ceremony, so it was Will Fork, Russell, and Caesar talking to Manny Diaz. He looked like a little adopted white boy next to those guys. I mean, he looked like a child. It was just <laughs> he's so little. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, that that was some beef around him, you know. But Vince has lost a lot of weight, man. So I got to give it to him. Yeah, he him. lost he a lot of weight. He looks good. He yeah, looks he's looking good. good. Yeah. yeah. All right, Russ. Well, hey, thank you so much, man. And um, come back, come back again one day. You know, we'll we'll hit you up if not this okay. year, next year, or whatever. But the, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, not as much a pleasure as it was watching you play, though. And uh, you always brought it every yeah. single game. And uh, the kids of today could learn learn a lot from you. So uh, make it down to Miami every now and then too. So maybe you can impart hey. some of that. Thank you. Those are kind words, and that's just. How- that's just what I did. That's just how I. That's how I live, man. And uh, you know, you got to go all out every time, you know. And uh, like it's your, like it's your last down. And uh, yes, I, I, I appreciate those words. All right, Russ. All right, man. Thank you so thank, much. Thank you. Thanks, Bruce. We'll talk to you guys okay, next guys. time. Yep. Thank yeah, I want to give a quick. Sh- wait, let, wait, wait a minute, Bruce. Go ahead. I'll put you back on. Go ahead. You yeah, going to do what? The guy in my law office, uh, Kelvin. He's a great guy. He's been listening to the show, so I just want to give him a quick shout out. But Russell All right, was man. great. And, and, and okay, I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. All right, that was the Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment. Uh, the great Russell Maryland. Nobody, nobody did it better than him. And uh, wow, what a great player he was. And just listening to him tonight on the show, you can tell what a great person he is as well. And uh, we thank him so much for his time tonight. All right, let's get back to your calls. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you would like to uh, come on the show. Uh, let me see where we are here. Let's go out to the 214. I think that's Dallas, where Russell, Maryland is. You're live on Kane Sport Live. No, 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 Gary. It's uh, it's Jake from St. Petersburg again. Hey, oh, I what's two? Isn't two one four? Isn't two one four Dallas? Oh, okay. Ago, I, so yeah, I knew that was. I knew that was Dallas. the Dallas area code. What's up, Jake? How you doing this yeah. week? What you got for us, man? Oh man, I'll tell you. It's uh, two weeks in a row. What a what a pleasure following those guys. It's, uh, <laughs> the uh, what an interview. I didn't know Russell Maryland was a Chicago guy. He was, uh, I grew up in Chicago and he was, the reason I became a Canes fan. Uh, really? That, that ball in 90. Oh my God. What a game. <laughs> Could use some more of those. Yeah. He, um, it's, I remember when they found him in Chicago and nobody knew who he was. And, and Hubbard Alexander was a, was a great recruiter, man. It's like, you know, we talk a lot about recruiting now and, and, and coaches or whatever, like back then, like, he had connections in the Chicago area and he would go there and he'd find players every pretty much every year and uh, always tried to get one or two, like Russell said. And uh, nobody knew who Russell Maryland was when he came to the university of Miami. It wasn't like today where, you know, you have all these recruiting websites and, 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 you know, everyone pretty much knows. Yeah. But but my goodness, what a player, what a player he was. Yep. Oh, he was fun to watch. Um, but anyway, so, you know, like, uh, this week I, I was just looking and cause just week after week under performance, it, it's, it's, it's not even fun to watch anymore. 
you know, we, we keep talking about national championships. I just want to be able to enjoy a season. <laughs> you know, it's like the uh, – I, I just how – how do you show up that unprepared for, for a, a, a team? And then, you know, I saw you guys had the article about, you know, Diaz having a heart-to-heart. Did he tear these guys to shreds like he should have? I mean, that was embarrassing. Uh, you know, I, I don't come from that school. I, I think when a team plays poorly like that, it, it, it needs to be joint blame. You know, I don't think you just go and tear. Like, like oh, I'm not sure. Too. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that was an organizational failure. And I mean, some coaches I know are like that and they carry that kind of stick and um, but my feeling is if you're going to be a coach and you're going to do that, you better be like a Nick Saban or somebody that, has earned national championships. Well, yeah, <laughs> you need to have earned that kind of cred with your players. Cause, True. uh, that, that, that can get old really quick, but yeah, I mean, it, I think that was kind of like an organizational failure the other day. And, um, you know, the other, they did, they had a team meeting with players and coaches on Monday and talk through it and hopefully got something out of it and come back better in a week and a half. So I got a question for you. I did a little research this week because, you know, like leading into the central Michigan game, you know, the talk was Wisconsin wins 63 to nothing, just, just wipes the floor with central Michigan like we did with Bethune. So I'm, I'm looking into it because Wisconsin, I mean, they just wiped the floor with Michigan again this year or uh, last week. I looked at, you know, we keep talking about talent. They don't have enough talent. They don't have enough talent. But I'm looking at, in the last five years, our average recruiting class, I looked it up, we are number 17, which is, I mean, it's not great, but we should have top 25 teams year in and year out if you're 17. You know, maybe you have an off year or something where, you know, you have a down season. Wisconsin's average recruiting class in that same five-year span is 29. And they have been in the top five all five of those years except last. So, like, how do we reconcile this where our talent just keeps underperforming year after year? I'm not even talking national championships. To get to a national championship, no doubt about it, we've got to get better with recruiting, get up there with the big boys, OSU, Clemson, Alabama, I'm talking about getting the nine to 11 wins year in and year out. And we're in the ACC. We're in a joke of a, a conference barring Clemson. 10 wins a season should not be that difficult with the number 17 recruiting class. And we just, what gives that we can't win? It's crazy. I, I think that it's it's how you run your program. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, it's how you run your program. You got to be solid top to bottom. And I think a team, these teams like Wisconsin, they can't do it every single year, but they just they run a great program there. You know, it's it's like they have good coaches. They they don't recruit a lot of five stars, but they recruit good players, and they they build their teams around the line of scrimmage. Their offensive and defensive lines, and you know, you look back to the bowl game in New York, and again, you know, we 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 walked out of there, and everybody made a million excuses, but like the, the bottom line was they they kicked the crap, 
out of us at the line of scrimmage in that game. Well, they came to play and, too. I mean, we, and, we yeah, and, and right, and they came to play, like, and and it was it was a mindset, not like oh, this is a meaningless bowl game. No, it wasn't a meaningless bowl game to those kids. They came to play, and and they totally dominated the line of scrimmage, and that's what they do. And then they get a great running back like a Jonathan Taylor, and uh, they usually can recruit a good quarterback. They're very good at that. And they go do their thing, you know, and it's um, it's a very well well run program and has been for many, many years. What are you like? Do you hear any rumblings? Because to me, one of the things that I think has just been killing this program for 15 years is guys going to the NFL who have no business doing it. Yeah, guys um, going to the NFL early, um, guys playing too early. We don't de- you know, we don't develop our players, you know, in my opinion, properly here. We're you know we're 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 always we're always throwing kids out there as true freshmen that shouldn't be on the field, and by the time they start getting good as juniors and seniors, it's time for them to leave. Um, you know, I, I I mean, there's a lot of things that I see that I would do differently. Um, is, is there I don't, anything Diaz is doing to try to get? I mean, I I, I loved when he, he kept uh, last year. He kept the secondary intact. Uh, that was huge because, God, I mean, like this year it's been a little bit of a, a little weakness. But, like, can you imagine what we would have been like last year if all three of those guys would have left? Oh, my God. <laughs> it would have been just utter disaster. And then, you know, keeping Quarterman and Pinkney here, same thing. I mean, this year, my God, we'd have a gaping hole in the middle of that defense uh, if those two would have left. But, like, you know, I mean, because I, I look at it like this year, I mean, again, it's I, I'd like to see them just play with more effort. But I look at this as a building year because, I mean, this is a young well, team. We should be returning 17 starters or so if none of these I mean, guys leave early. I haven't walked out of the stadium the last four weeks of games and felt like effort was an issue. I mean, I think they're playing hard. Um I thought so the first three games, but man, last week just yeah, it seems like they took the week off last week, and that was frustrating. Well, or or did Central Michigan have a few matchups that were fairly favorable to them? Um, you know, like look, what are Miami's weaknesses this year? Well, the offensive left line. <laughs> well, offensive line in general, left tackle definitely, and they had a defensive end that could have played for us. I mean, without question, like that kid was a freaking player, and. Uh, made a lot of plays all day and 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 wreaked havoc and and then they had some guys on the interior that were playing very hard uh, that were giving us problems. So that was a matchup that was very favorable to Central Michigan. I, I thought that their quarterback was very good. I mean, he was a little bit of a dude. Uh, you got to give him credit for that. And um, I thought that their passing game w- was pretty darn good. And and one of our weaknesses is the, is the secondary. And you saw how wide open some of their receivers were all day. We're lucky they dropped about 10, 12 balls because they were way too, way too open at times. So like, I think a lot of it is matchups and, you know, you get into a game like that and, you know, uh, I think the coaches probably freak out a little bit, quite frankly. I mean, you know, you're not expecting to be in that kind of game against central Michigan. And at that point, it becomes what? What do we just have to do to get the hell out of here? You, you know. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, because you lose that game in recruiting, just yeah. I mean, well, I can see. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 already it, it, they, just, I mean, it takes you. 
it just takes you totally out of your game plan. It, it, I mean, it, it yeah. becomes survival. Like, how do we get the heck out of here with a victory? Well, you know, at that at that point, once you're in the third or fourth and fourth quarter, and they're sitting there as close to you as they were, um, so that takes you totally out of everything you had planned on doing. And um, you know, it happens sometimes. I don't think it was a fluke. I really don't. I hope you're wrong about that, because if that wasn't a fluke, whew, boy. I did, what I, what I was watching, season. I did not feel was a fluke. I felt like they had some matchups that were giving us some real problems. But that, like, that seems to be the problem. Like, like, I mean, our Carolina game was the same way. Think. Like, Enos, I don't know, maybe I, 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 I'm getting information all secondhand on websites and whatnot, but what it sounded like we were competing with Alabama, like Saban wanted his services as the so Enos? offensive coordinator there. Uh, yeah. We were competing mostly with Georgia. You know, Georgia was looking for, for an OC, I mean, that's, and, and, that's and Georgia was weighing – yeah, like they, they were weighing promoting James Coley or hiring Enos, and, and um, he, it ended up not even having to be an issue, a decision for them because Enos decided to come down to Miami. Um, but like he just seems so overmatched with all. Like I, I mean, yeah, he's he's working with new personnel and everything. But yeah, it just seems it like means... year in and year out, we're we're getting out coached. Like you look at, uh, you know, when I was looking up recruiting rankings, Virginia's averaged the uh, the 40th ranked recruiting class. Look at what um what is that Mendenhall Bronco Mendenhall? Uh, uh-huh. Look what he's doing with this program. He's not yep. like some pedigree coach who came, you know. He just, he's maximizing talent, and I just don't think – we haven't done that. We've put plenty of guys in the NFL. Why can't our coaches maximize this talent here? It's just – it's infuriating. Well, I mean, look at, look at, look at resumes, and, and I, bring, I bring this up. You know, the Bron- Bronco Mendenhall had been a head coach at BYU before he got the job at Virginia. Um, was a little bit more established as a head coach than what Manny Diaz is right now. He was able to hire a, pr- a pretty good staff. Now I'm not sitting here going to compare staffs because you know, I don't, I don't know their staff well enough to even do that, but um, you know, maybe, may, you know, maybe he's got a pretty good staff there. I'm, uh, I think he does based on what I see. Uh, like, like you said, they, they, they squeeze as much juice out of the lemon as you can. And they're not going to win any championships at most likely at Virginia football. Um, you know, they may luck into the coastal every now and then, kind of like how Pitt did last year or whatever. And uh, Virginia Tech does every now and then. And, you know, God willing, Miami will do sometimes. Um, but uh, they're not going to win. They're not going to they're not going to win any championships, most likely at Virginia. But they're good enough to where if their coaches put a game plan together that they can beat people and you know that's yeah, what Miami's I mean, facing it, it just seems like we got to get to that point where we're squeezing our talent because we're I mean, there you start somewhere you got to start with the we're at the same game. point we're at the same point as Virginia we're at the same place all these teams are the same they we, everyone takes turns beating everybody we beat Virginia sometimes sometimes they beat us but we I'm beat Virginia Tech they, sometimes sometimes they, they beat us the talent they do not have the talent that we do and they're getting, you know, and they're in that shuffle. We should be, I mean, even with the 17th average recruiting class in this span, we should be significantly higher than these guys. And we're, we're just coasting right along with everyone else in the coastal. I don't know. It's, I mean, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll see how the season pans out, but uh, 
yeah, it's uh, it's something. I'll tell you what, the, uh, the, the this show every week, this is therapy for me because this is <laughs> this has been a maddening uh, two seasons. That's for sure. Well, it's 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 nice that we all have each other every Tuesday night. Yeah, oh we yeah. Sit here and just yep. uh, you know <laughs> chew it up, chew it up, and spin it out, and you know go back and forth, and you know just just you know get get everything off your chest, you know. But you're not wrong. I mean, look, I, you look at the recruiting rankings right now for this year. Virginia's 59th. Yeah. I mean, Virginia's 59th or 9th. So, we I mean, not you're not wrong. Like, how are they staying on the national yeah. championship? And actually, I, I, I'll one-up you on there. I was looking up uh, – I had, I, had, I had the week off, so I've just been going nuts with all this stuff. I looked up Davo Sweeney, the five years preceding – his first national championship in 16 average recruiting class is number 16, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> One spot above us. Now That's last year, talent. last year, oh, Virginia was third. Th- last year they were 39th and we were 36th. Okay. That was last year. That was a bit of an aberration. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, like it, no, un- it, it, unque- it unquestionably it like was. We got some producers out of that one. I mean, you know, I'm crossing my fingers, but, but the, you know, first glance, that class does look like it can produce some talent. That's for sure. In, uh, but, uh, in, tw- yeah. in, in 2018, they were, they were 69th. Okay. We were sixth. Okay. Yeah. So your, your point is not a bad one. Like how in the heck are they on the field with us? Yeah, like, or, or why are we not above them? Like, it makes sense that UNC, Pitt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, that they're all kind of bouncing around there in no man's land. We shouldn't be there. We're, we're, we have more talent than that. And we've put all these guys in the NFL. You know, Virginia isn't popping all these. I mean, granted, we're not putting in the first-round picks that we used to do, you know, year in and year out. We're still putting guys in the league. That means you're in yeah, the top they- 250 or so of college football players and we're putting five, six guys every year. That should be enough to win the Coastal. I'm not saying we got the I mean, talent to win a natty, but, you know, the Coastal, 20, come on. 2017, we were 11th. They were 58th. So you're seeing there's a great yeah. disparity every single year, okay? So you, you, you're making a great point, and you know what? I, I'm really curious now because I, I I'm going to put some time in. And try to figure oh, out man, how I the dug heck. I've into this all week. It's interesting, well, man. Like, yeah, well, you look into those. How numbers. are they doing it? Like, how the heck are they doing it? Now, they, they got a transfer quarterback, which was a big deal. Uh, and that helps them a lot. You know, they got a really good transfer quarterback. I, I, one thing I'll tell you, you can, you can look into this because you probably have better insight or just, you know, with the, with the overall program. These juniors leaving early are brutal. I mean, think of last year. What a, Norton and McIntosh, who went in the sixth and seventh round, and Chad Thomas, if those guys come back, could you imagine how good that D line would have been last year? We wouldn't yeah. know what. I mean, that that would have been one of the best. And then you look at like Dabo Sweeney, what he was doing. He got those four guys to come back, and look at the way they just ripped everyone to shreds last year. I'm not saying we'd be in that boat, but boy, we could have been. I mean, we had a good D line last year. How much better we could have been. If Willis was playing, instead of playing next to Bethel, he's playing next to Norton or McIntosh or both. <laughs> like, whew, that would have been a good one. Or Garvin being right. the, the number three behind Thomas and Jackson. Whew. Yep. 
that would have been good, you know. And these, yeah, these these juniors, I think that that's what's killing us. And I think if Manny can keep Donaldson, Garvin, Bandy, uh, you know, keep all those guys around, maybe we can build something here. Uh, you know, I mean, th- this year we're starting sophomores all over the place, freshmen all over the place. Give yeah. those guys a year to grow. I think he could be building something, but but we got to see it week in and week out. All right, Jake. So, well, thanks for being on the show, man. Give hey, us man, a call next time. Pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, guys, uh, before I get back to the calls, let me start diving a little bit into some of these questions that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com. The poster says he rewatched the game. The offensive line had a worse performance than they did against the Gators. Each lineman whiffed multiple times against the fenders. Donaldson looks overweight, slow, puts forth little effort. What's going on with him? The Zion experiment needs to end. We told ourselves that he would be great to make everyone feel good about starting a two-star freshman, but he's slow, lacks technique, uses his hands poorly. Uh, With an even average O-line, we would have put up 45 points against Central Michigan. So question number one, what does the coaching staff, does the coaching staff realize how bad the offensive line is? And number two, what is the coaching staff going to do about it? Well, I mean, I'm sure they realize that the offensive line is a big issue. That goes without saying, but I think they've already acted. I mean, they elevated a true freshman to starting left tackle, which was an incredibly risky move. They elevated another true freshman to starting guard. Again, a risky move. Uh, A better question has been, have these moves that they've made worked out well? And um, we don't know what would have been the situation if they were playing Campbell and Hillary or Reed in there instead of Zion Nelson, Ja'Kai Clark. But uh, they did give up 10 sacks against Florida, did have some tough moments against Central Michigan. And now Cleveland Reed has fled the program for better or for worse. So uh, it's a tough deal, no doubt. And, you know, I'm not sure there's a clear-cut answer uh, to these offensive line questions uh, just yet. Does scouring the JUCO ranks for offensive linemen, would that be a good idea? I think, yeah, it absolutely would. When you look at the situation right now, I, I, I think it would be great to go get a little older player or two to help out next year. Can Enos not be so stubborn about trying to go power I ace double tight end formations? I mean, honestly, what Dan Enos should or should not do is a matter of personal opinion. Let's be honest. I mean, some people want different schemes. We see it being debated on the message boards every day. Some people want different play calls. When things don't work, everything is open to scrutiny and questions. And, um, you know, he's trying to build an offense with some personnel challenges, no doubt. And things aren't going to work all the time. They're just not. And uh, there have been times where the running game has been successful and times when it's not. Same with passing plays. Sometimes they've worked well. Sometimes he's come up with good things at the beginning of games that have worked and has gotten away from them. So I'm not saying that Enos is not open to criticism or debate. But my guess is it's a little bit more complex than maybe is being given credit for. You know, just... uh, something to think about might not be as easy as we all think it is as we're watching the game. All right. Five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three, five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three. Hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, let's go to the two, three, nine. You're live on Kane sport live. Hey, what's up, Gary? How are you doing good? Who's this? 
This is Joe from Naples. What's up, Joe? Talk to us. What you got? Hey, man. Um, you know, coaching, coaching, that, that's been uh, – I was going to harp on that a little bit. It was a pleasure listening to Russell Maryland. That was a great interview. I wish you would have let him finish the story about the fight because that's what he was leading up to, so you got to get back to us on that. Um, but if you look at, you know, the first two games, if we had a, a ball bounce our way, a ref call a holding call, you know, if the ball just bounces our way and, you know, we're 4-0 right now, regardless of this game, the tone and the way that I feel and the way that most of your callers feel, feels, um, you know, would be a little bit different and we would be a little more forgiving. But, yeah, but you can't uh, do that. You, you can't, you can't do that. It's like you can't isolate it to one play in a football game because there's so many things that happen during the course of the game. You could what if yourself to death. I, I you know, yeah, you just go on and on every game. When we went ten and zero with 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 Mark Riggs, I mean, we weren't you know ranked two, ranked three last year. You know, going into pit or a couple of years ago, whenever it was, uh, we weren't that talented, man. You know, and and we had a couple of balls bounce our way. And, Correct. Uh, you know. And last year we didn't, and so far this year we haven't. And and that's the way it is when you're at this level as a program. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Now, going back to one of your earlier callers, this is Manny's first year. Okay, he yes, he inherited Mark's rigged team, but Mark Riggs had the offense, and he brought in Dan Enos, and if I'm not mistaken, gave him, you know, complete autonomy of what to do to the office and who to hire and, and how to run it, you know, and I think that Manny's trying to be more of a CEO um, versus, you know, a total hands-on, especially on the offense. The defense, though, is something that I'm extremely, you know, disappointed. Disappointed in Banda as, 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 as a defensive uh, a safeties coach slash defensive coordinator. And if he is making that money, I don't think he's earning it right now. Um, but just the whole defense, special teams have, have been an issue as well. It, but there was a culture issue before in the past. We've seen it when Mark Riggs, the team quit. So there was a culture. So you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. A couple of bounces. You know, we showed up on the first game against Florida. We showed up against North Carolina. Granted, we lost them both. Coaching was an issue. Um, but overall, you know, it is his first year. And, it, and you know, he did inherit some issues. But I think culture and, uh, you know, and, and, and the gelness of the coaching staff still needs to be, you know, still needs to gel a little bit more. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts, and you can put me on hold, man. I mean, I, you know, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on that beyond what I've, you know, what I've already said. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the first-year thing, and, like, I think, like, that's an interesting dilemma when you're kind of analyzing everything because you know the the truth is it, it, yeah it, it is first year as head coach but uh Mark Rick gave gave Manny 100% control of the defensive side of the organization and uh he handpicked all the players he, he you know he 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 had autonomy in recruiting and um so it's 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 first year in the sense of Dan Enos coming in and running the offense I'm not sure it's first year in terms of the overall team you know, it's kind of like year half, like half of half of a year, kind of like half the team. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not looking to make excuses like that, and I don't think Manny would want anybody to. Um, you know, I think he intend intended and still intends to come in here with all guns blazing, and have a different type of football team with a little bit of a different mindset, and I think he's still working on that. Um, 
we don't really know how this is going to end. I mean, this could go in a lot of different directions here these last eight games. You know, we really don't. We, we really don't. It's scary, too, you know, because if you, you just look at, uh, you know, the ACC, yeah. uh, granted, another caller who made, who made reference to the SEC and ACC, man, they're, they're, they're just a different level. They're bigger, meaner, stronger, faster. And, um, you know, I think we can compete with them, but I don't think we're ready quite just yet. I think we need a couple of recruiting, recruiting cycles, and I think winning will help that, you know. No more four straight losing streaks. You know, those, mm-hmm. you know that we just keep on shooting ourselves in the foot, and, and, and little by little, man. Yeah, you know, my con- my hope. concern, personally, my concern is I don't see any variation in the level of recruiting. Like I don't see, don't I don't see any. Ma- will make a difference. Well, no, I'm, t- I'm talking about what I'm seeing. That's reality. Oh, I'm not. Man, I don't yeah. feel like I'm seeing any major upticks in recruiting. I, I think I think the recruiting is pretty flatlined right now and to me that's not good and that's why you've heard me talking a lot about recruiting and beating the drums a little bit recruiting 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 um you know i think that's an area of the program that needs to get better very quickly and when you have a development like what you had today where a kid like marcus tate who's one of the top 2021 prospects in in south florida commits to clemson and doesn't even wait to be recruited i mean that's a wake-up call and like it needs to be taken as a wake-up call and you know this isn't gary being critical or gary you know this or gary that has nothing to do with gary like that that is a wake-up call for the entire program that needs to be taken. And, and, and if, if that's happening, that's telling you there's something we're doing that's not good enough and we need to get, we need to very quickly make it better. That's my opinion. Well, I appreciate you, you know, ringing the bell, you know what I mean? Cause we, if, if well, that's I mean, so much of an issue, I mean, we keep on losing guys and, and, and you're right. We're not going to win without the talent. Well, we're not winning with the talent. You just made reference to Virginia yeah. versus us and their talent ratings, and we're still not beating those guys or, or, yeah. or at least, you know, measured to them. But, I mean, like, you know, like the Jake Garcia kid from California that they were all in on as a 2021 quarterback deciding to go to USC, you can't that, – that can't bother anybody. Like that, you know, if anything, USC has greater rights to that kid than Miami. Okay, it was, right, it was good, job, good, good, good job getting in the game there. Um, unfortunately, things aren't going well enough here right now to where you're going to supersede the lure of that kid playing for his hometown school. But here's the question. Why aren't Miami kids feeling that way about Miami? And, and that's what needs to be fixed. And, and, you know, offensive line couldn't be a greater area of need. I mean, any good offensive lineman is coming in here and playing very early in their careers. It's a great opportunity. Yet the, the three best offensive line prospects in South Florida right now are, are all going elsewhere. The Jonathan Dennis kid at South Dade, he's going to Oregon. Um, you know, the, the, the Marcus Tate kid is going to Clemson. The Isaiah Walker at Norland, they're, they're still trying to battle there, but I've heard he's silently committed to Florida. So, you know, are that's we not to me. Are we not huh? on doors? Are we oh, not they're, they're, the payment? Are, 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 is, are the effort there, or are we just in a standstill focusing on the season? I mean, don't know. Is it, is it because of effort or, or lack I of? Mean, I mean, look, we, you know, don't know. I mean, it, it's probably a little bit of everything. I mean, you know, like if you take the offensive line situation, and I think Butch Barry is a good offensive line coach. I mean, I've been impressed with – you know, with a lot of the things he's done as, as an O-line coach and, and just getting these true freshmen functional out there is an amazing accomplishment. Can he recruit? 
you know, he, he's been uh, an assistant uh, offensive line coach in the league for several years. Um, what is his recruiting background? Does he have connections anywhere? Um, anybody that's going to feed him players, the real built-in relationships that's going to help him in, in recruiting. He, he obviously doesn't know anybody in South Florida. And, you know, can he recruit? You know, that's a big, that's a big question mark. Um, how much thought of that went into the, the selection of the coaches, you know, things like that. There's so many elements that go into this um, that impact what happens. And, you know, there, there might be but some don't things wrong with the a Don't you have uh-huh. a recruiting department, though? Yeah, but that's kind of like been in a state of flux. I mean, um, the guy that was heading it under Mark Rick got fired. Um, everybody that worked under him pretty much got fired. Um, you bring in a guy, um, Andy Vaughn, who looks to me like he's more of an administrator than really a personnel evaluator guru type of guy um, made some great moves in the player relations area. I feel with DeMarcus Van Dyke and David Cooney um, and Edwin Pata um, being like point people when recruits visit campus and stuff like that. I think those guys are really good and one of the strengths of the organization Um, who is in the back looking for talent. And, and 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 watching tapes and and you know it, it looks to me like a lot of that is falling on the coaches and when you get into season and the coaches are game planning and and trying to do all all, all the things that they got to do to get ready to play games and stuff um, there's probably not a lot of time for that kind of stuff and then you know recruiting has become a year-round enterprise now in college football and um, you know just when you think you're in yeah, the off season the that feel, I'm sorry they should be the one that seal the deal. The coaches, yeah. you still got to get the guys, you know, these kids yes. constant, you know, everyday text, hey, how are you? I saw your game. I saw your film, blah, blah, blah. You know, especially with the me, me, me millennial stage, you know, you got to have that constant contact because, you know, who's finding different. Russell Maryland, who's finding Russell Maryland in, right. in Chicago, you know, I, I, you know, I just thought, you know, so like, look, what, what's been going on here has not been good enough and, you know, in any way, shape or form for many, many, many years. And, you know, I'm always asking why, why isn't it working? And I'm always like trying to figure it out, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I just know well, that, that it, 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 no, it needs to get better. And, and, you know, listen, I mean, I'm not a know-it-all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm just a guy that's been here for 40 years. I've seen it work and I've seen when it wor- when it has worked, why it has worked. And, um, and I've seen it not work and I've seen why it doesn't work. So I, I do have a background and some foundation for some of the opinions that I give you guys. Um, what I see right now is not working and the evidence just keeps piling up. And I've been talking about this for weeks and then you see what happens today. Marcus Tate just says, Hey, I'm going to Clemson. Doesn't even wait to be recruited. I mean, doesn't even wait for, to, to go through the process with Miami and, and, you know, but why wasn't Miami even, there already? Well, they were, they were, they were there and he's been on campus and things like that. Obviously they were not there well enough. Okay. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the kid just committed a kid for a kid from Fort Lauderdale who has been on campus and has been being recruited, just went ahead and committed to Clemson. So listen, that's a problem and that they got to figure out and they got to, they got, they got to correct because if you're not keeping the best players from here home uh, and that's your basic 
philosophy. Um, you know, the, the whole recruiting philosophy at Miami right now is to focus on South Florida and then the, the rest of Florida as an extension. Um, you, if you're not keeping the best players in Florida here, and there's, I believe, 17, I think it's no, the numbers, I think 16 top 100 players in the state of Florida this year. And right now we've got two of them that are coming to Miami. Like to me, that's not good enough. And, you know, yeah, you, you got to look at these things. For sure. Well, you, you got to look at it honestly. It's like we're not doing well enough, and why, and what can we do to make it better? So that's the challenge facing them going forward. All right, man, you got anything else tonight? Right, no, 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 I appreciate it, man. Have a good night. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Let's go to the 845. You're live on Kane Sport Live. You with us? 845. Going once, going twice. All right, next time. Let's go to the 251. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing tonight? Doing great. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Gary. This this is like the second time I've called the show, man. Oh, good. What's um, your name? I'm alone. Like Brian. Hi, right, Brian. All Thanks. All the way from Mobile, Alabama. Um, all right. Well, thanks. Thanks for calling in. What you got for us? Um, I've been listening to the show, man, and um, just a few questions. Let me ask you a question. Do Miami have a budget for for uh, Manny to hire like analysts? Do they have a budget like that? They like do. More I, I think that it, um, it's funny because that's actually one of the questions that was submitted on the message boards. Um, so we might as well talk about it right now. The question was, um, how many analysts do we have on staff in the X's and O's in recruiting? And how does that compare to some of the other schools that take winning seriously? Well, I mean, there's two, uh, one on each side of the ball. Uh, Joel Rodriguez is an analyst on offense. Uh, a guy named Mike Zuckerman is an analyst on defense to compare uh, to the school that's, uh, and, and I think this is, I'm going to say before I even tell you the numbers, that it seems a little excessive to me. I mean, Alabama is kind of like on steroids uh, in this department, but they have 12 listed analysts at Alabama and probably a few more that aren't listed. And they, mm-hmm. it even includes, it includes three former head coaches that are, don't have jobs right now that are working at Alabama as analysts, Butch Jones, Mike Stoops, and Major Applewhite. Um, they also have at least nine people in their recruiting office constantly working recruiting. Uh, right now, Miami, I believe, has five or six. Um, Clemson and Georgia staffing, I looked it up, looks pretty comparable to ours, uh, just to give you some comparison. So that, you know, that, that would be the answer to that question. Well, if you only got one on each side of the ball, I think you may want to look into spending more money doing that because I'm listening to everybody, and I I see it too, and trust me, I get an earful of it um, because my family is Alabama and LSU fans, so I get it all the time. You've got to spend money in order now in college football. You've got to spend money to win I mean, look at some of the salaries that some of these coaches are making. Nothing against Manny. Nothing against Manny. I wasn't a big fan of the hire, but, I mean, this is what we got. But I will say this. I think with Dan Enos, he could have went a different route. If you're going to spend over a million dollars on an OC like that, I I need more out of you. 
I need you to push this offense, and you're not pushing it. You're you're tapping the gas when I need you to push the gas. Now, for an OC to be getting paid that much, I need you to make more changes on the offense during the game when you see your offensive line is getting their ass kicked. I can't have my quarterback dropping back seven yards, and when he gets sacked, okay, that sack is pushing that ball back. And one of the callers made a good point tonight. I think it was Ross. Man, you're in the end zone. You don't have time to do no play action. You got to get that damn ball out of your hand and get it up the field. You, you, you're, putting, you're putting your quarterback in a situation that I have noticed during the games. He's throwing the ball, but he's kind of hesitant to almost throw the ball. So, in other words, he's getting a little shell shocked out there with all the pressure. So, if they're not going to block or if you got a left tackle that you know don't need to be in the game, somebody got to say, hey, look, man, you know, it ain't going to work. It's not going to work because one thing I know for sure, and I and and I like I say, I know this is Manny's first year. He's going to have to do a lot of evaluation at the end of this year if it keeps going the way that it's going. He's going to have to tell some of these guys, look, it's just not going to work. In my opinion, I don't think I would have gave Dan Enos that much power to say, okay, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars and you can bring in this guy or that guy. Hell no, not being a first-year coach, because I'm trying to win. Because whatever don't come together, let's just say, God forbid, I'm, I'm hoping they're going to win at least seven to eight games this year. But if you're going to be the head coach, and this is what you, this is what I'm looking for, look forward to every year, and by year two or year three, your ass might be out of here. Because college football is moving just that fast. And just like 305 said, I'll be looking at the um, athletic director because, man, you kind of showed me that you don't really give a damn about football either. Because, hell, you didn't even – the search, that was crap. <laughs> I left to go to work when Rick retired. And when I got off the next morning, Manny Diaz was the head coach. What the hell? <laughs> Well, I think I think Blake clearly had had a conviction that Manny was his guy, and that's his right. He's the athletic director, but he, you know, I mean, and, and maybe Manny was the best guy, but I, I mean, I agree with you. I thought he should have gone through a process this, and made sure. This, this I mean, is you my don't, thing. How you don't know who who who's interested in the job? Exactly. I mean, let me put it this way: I, I mean, know three people. I know three people for that for sure were candidates. One was Manny. Um, Mario Cristobal definitely would have been a candidate. And a third guy that I know wanted the job was uh, Chuck Pagano, who had just uh, finished being – was about to be done being the head coach of the Indy Colts. And um, yeah. now, he's, now he's the defensive coordinator for, for the Chicago Bears. Um, I know he wanted the job. And, like, I mean, if you just take Mar- you know, Mario and Pagano, before you get to anybody else in the college in the in the in the football universe that might have been interested, those those are a couple of pretty good resumes. You know that they, 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 you would have they, you would have been been sitting there considering, and um, you know who knows who else would have wanted the job. And I I you know I think Blake's done a pretty good job here, and 
you know, but this is one place where I thought he really fumbled, man. It's like he sold himself and the program way short in not taking the time to see who was interested in the job and what was the best possible solution he could find to get this program back as quickly as possible. And if, if that ended up being Manny Diaz, phenomenal. You know, I, I, I like, I love Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz has been great here. Um, I don't have any problem with that, but I'm just saying like, you know, not going through the process and, and seeing who wanted the job, I thought was a huge mistake. I don't have a problem with Manny either, but my thing is this here. If you going to see one thing that I don't kind of like with Manny, I don't like those politician coaches. I, I get tired of hearing politician coaches. They tell you everything that's wrong, but they don't fix it. Mm-hmm. They tell you what they need to do, but they don't fix it. So you're going to keep selling me on being a politician until I finally just run you out of here. Now, let me ask you this. Right. How much or how do 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 the, do the administration and the trustee board, do they how tough are they on these football coaches that we've been hiring? I mean, do they push? They're not. Do they bag up? No. See, that's a problem. That's a problem. The trustee, the trustees couldn't care less. They, they, they don't. They, half of most of them probably don't even go to the games. Um, you know, the president really doesn't care very much. Uh, you know, this is the Blake. It's the Blake James show right now, in 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 that regard. Well, if they don't care that much. I'm I'm willing to go ahead on to say it's going to continue to be a a a, a surface. Well, unless Manny uh, unless Manny on, turns out to be gold, he you know. It around. Yeah, uh, unless I, I if, if maybe maybe Blake around. James is a genius. Maybe he's a genius. You know, he he's invested the franchise here, and uh, you know he, he's wagering the franchise, no doubt. Um, because if if what? Manny doesn't come if Manny doesn't come through, this place is going to be set back for a while. And uh, yeah. Miami needs Miami needs Manny Diaz to come through, and you know he was given the keys. And uh, you know it's very early in the game. I don't think you could really fairly make any judgments whatsoever right now off of what's happened so far. I mean, I, obviously the North Carolina loss was a bad loss, but you know the Florida well, loss figured we, figured one... to be a loss in my opinion. I never I I was stunned that they made it as close as they did, and that was largely because Florida. Uh, had four turnovers, and 100 yards, and penalties, and was just flat idiotic for a lot of that game. But like, um, the, but the North Carolina I, loss was a bad. It was a bad loss. Yeah, it was. And one, one more thing, Gary. Um, you know, I was listening to you interview Russell Maryland, and and I really enjoyed that man. My dad, when he was living, man, he was a big Russell Maryland fan. He loved the Dallas Cowboys. And Russell said something in that interview that kind of caught me, but it makes a lot of sense. He wasn't really a big recruit, but it was one of those things that, you know, he sent his tape to Miami and Jimmy Johnson came and he looked at him and he said he wanted him. I think with with the recruiting, now don't get me wrong, I want four and five stars too, but I think you have to start if you're going to be Manny and, and with everyone saying that he's not a recruiter, you really need to start looking at players that are hungry. Not, not all of them are going to be five stars. Not all of them are going to be four. Not all of them may not even be three stars. But you got to mm-hmm. have a limit somewhere. And if you start getting players that are hungry, because look at the look at the guy, the guys was that was on 
um, um, Central Michigan team that was from from Florida that got overlooked by Miami. I watched North Carolina and Appalachian State play. Appalachian State had some defensive tackles on the defensive end that was from Northwest and down to Miami. Got overlooked by Miami. What I'm saying is right now where this program is, we really can't afford to overlook no damn body because no. you got so many of these kids that don't want it's a it's it's something it's the culture or it's an error but it's a cloud that is hanging over this program that has got these kids not wanting to go to Miami. And I think right now you just got to regroup, get you some recruiters, or I mean spend spend that money on you some analysts, someone who can watch tape. You got to get those numbers up to where you can start this recruiting train going in the direction that it needs to. Because, I mean, damn, man, every day Miami lose a recruit. Miami lose a recruit. I'm seeing this every day. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully it gets better, you know. They they definitely need to address it. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much right, for being man. part of the show. Give us a call. Uh, okay, man. Just... Give us a call again. Great call. Okay, Gary, have a good have a good one, man. Put your All right, man. Have a great night. All right, a couple more of the uh, questions that were submitted on the message boards. Is Manny Diaz prepared to fire Dan Enos after year one in the event that Enos continues this shit show on offense? Wow. All right, that's pretty tough, man. Seriously. Like, first of all, very unlikely that anyone's firing Dan Enos. I'm sure he has a multi-year contract, uh, is the highest paid staffer in the program other than Manny. Um, but for seconds, I, you know, I, I think the program is pretty all in with Dan Enos and, uh, you know, I, I think it's a little early to judge him. I mean, I, let's see how the rest of the year plays out and maybe we can have some more, uh, legitimate back and forth on that subject. But, uh, you know, right now I think he's still feeling his way and, um, obviously he's out of time for feeling uh the meat of the schedule's coming up here and uh they they gotta win so we'll see what happens let's see how the virginia tech and virginia games go is what we are seeing a simple fix or a long-term fix that may require coaches being changed out uh i don't know about coaches being changed out but i do not think this is a simple fix um you know, my first question again, along the lines of the last one would be, why are we talking about firing coaches four games into the season? Like, that's just not, it's not reality and it's not fair. Um, but I don't think there's, like, when you look at it, I don't feel that there's individual coaches that are necessarily doing a poor job. Um, so if you're looking to move them out, like, my question would be, why do you hire them in the first place? OK, if, if, if a coach who's been here for a half a year, four games, whatever, needs to be fired, why was he hired in the first place? Um, to me, the bottom line at the end of the day is going to be recruiting. And I keep saying I know I sound like a broken record now on this recruiting, but um, nobody is so well established as a coach that you could afford to have them in the program if they're not good recruiters. And, um, you know, I'm not sure how Manny looks at it, but uh, to me, the, whether it's a short term fix or a long-term fix is going to be decided by what happens in recruiting. So if somebody's not getting the job done in recruiting, maybe he has to consider making a move regardless of how good of a position coach somebody is or is not. Um, that would be my initial thought, but I think that even thinking about coaches and then next year and stuff is way premature right now. Um, didn't Enos say he would cater his offense? to the strength of the team. Why is he calling plays thinking that he's still at Bama? 
mean, what's the strength of the team? I mean, let's think about that for a minute. The tight ends, I would say the tight ends are a strength. Well, Brevin Jordan has been the leading tight end in the nation in terms of productivity. When they decide to throw the ball to Will Mallory, he seems to get open and his dad is doing some good things. He had a couple nice plays early in the game last week. My question would be, why didn't they come back to him as the game continued? Um, but the running backs, I mean, even with a bad offensive line, DJ Dallas is averaging 6.7 yards a carry. So, I mean, isn't he catering his offense to the strength of the team? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it seems to me like he is. They just need to be more consistent. That's all. And, and you know, maybe he could do a better job of sticking with what's working instead of being all over the place. You know, that, that, that I think that would be a legit critique. Um, you look at the Florida game, he had a great, great opening script in that game. Uh, he had a really good opening script, I believe, from what I'm remembering at North Carolina. He had a good opening script in the Central Michigan game. So, I mean, he's coming out with good opening scripts. Um, just got to be consistent and maybe don't get away from what's working early in the game. And then uh, next question, what do we look for in a recruiting specialist? Do they also have to be a coach? Where do you grow them? I, you know, that depends on the program. I, I mean, and, and what the head coach is looking for from the recruiting department. And it's different. You know, like Manny, I think – has a philosophy where the coaches handle a lot of the evaluation and recruiting other places like Bama have a whole back office doing that stuff and, and, and bringing players to the coaches. Uh, Mark Richt had a recruiting department that brought players to the coaches. Uh, every coach has a different way of doing it. And, um, you know, uh, I think sometimes our fan base overvalues the quality of our talent and that influences a lot of opinions, um, you know, in the North Carolina game, for example, it didn't look that different to me. And, um, you know, obviously we should have been more talented than Central Michigan, uh, but they had some good matchups that they exploited and, and were able to uh, to stay in the game. So uh, I'm not sure that there's a clear-cut answer on this recruiting thing. I, I think it depends on the head coach and what kind of philosophy they have. And time will tell whether Manny's way of doing things can be effective. Um, but you got to be careful about spreading your coaches too thin, in my opinion. You know, those guys got a lot on their plate, and it's, it's year-round now. So uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, let's go to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Uh, Vandy and Aventura, how you doing? What's up, Andy? How you doing tonight, man? All right, thanks. Um... I want to touch a little on the, what you talked about with Virginia and the recruiting and Wisconsin. I think it's pretty obvious. In, recru- in, in the offensive line, we're the worst recruiting in the nation. So it don't matter how much skilled players you have, if the game is won at the line of scrimmage, and if, if you're horrible there, those skilled mm-hmm. guys are not going to be able to be utilized too good. And, Great point. You know, and they probably have been about as bad as anybody in the nation the last few years. Exactly. So, and those teams dominate the line of scrimmage. So, you know, it, it nullifies the. You know, most of our recruits are the top recruits are you know on the offensive skill positions, not the offensive line. So, I think that's that's the whole ball game right there. And uh, as far as the team overall, defensively, you know, with Garvin, we lost Willis. And Jackson, and I think that's why, you know, you know, maybe he's not as dominant because 
they had to pay a lot of attention to those uh, to those guys, which freed him up a lot. And uh, you know, overall on defense, you know, let's face it, our linebackers are you know average to good. There's no superstar. We got the young secondary, and absolutely no depth at all. So I mean, mm-hmm. I think we're we're really where we should be. I mean, I, I don't think I think the board is, thinks we have all this talent. And we don't. We don't have, uh, especially we don't have depth. We have talent. We have good players. We don't have a lot of elite talent. We don't have difference makers. And no no no. backup. So these guys have to stay on the field for a long period of time, and you're going to get tired, and that's going to, you know, that's going to hurt you. And uh, I think in recruiting, you know, we're going to have to get some, a couple kids are going to have to be like Bratton and Highsmith that say, you know what, we're going to stay home and we're going to bring, make the crib great again. I think it's going to have to come down. We get a break somehow like that, and maybe that snowball where we can, uh, you know, do something. I don't, it, we should probably look for, a, a, like, the, you know, like a recruiting coach. I don't know if an offensive line guy, some guy that's the top recruiter, pay him and see if that could do something. But until we start winning, I think it's going to be tough to – to get these guys unless some kids just decide to stay home. What do you think? Uh, I think it would, you know, I think what you're talking about would help. And I think they got a chance in 2021 with all those kids at Miami Northwestern. Um, got to be careful. Can't take too many, but you've got a couple pretty good players over there at Miami Northwestern that could be leaders in, in this regard of what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want to go to the spread, but you know, you go to the spread and you don't, you know, you got to get some quick passes. And if those guys don't get open with that O line, this quarterback will get crushed if we have less guys protecting. So I don't, I, I think it really comes down any offense. If you don't have guys that can that can protect the quarterback and open holes, you know, you're not going to be consistent. You'll make a play here and there, but the consistency is where, you know, these guys just have to grow up during the season and, you know, maybe, you know, save some plays for the big boys coming up. We'll see, but you know we got we just got to get a lot more depth, and it's going to probably take two three years before we're you know where we want to be. I think that's that's all I got to say. All right. Well, thank you for uh, calling in and being part of the show. Thanks. All right, man. All right, let's go to the nine one six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how you doing, man? It's Roland. It's hey, what's up, Roland? How you doing, man? What you what's got up, for man? us? Man, just one one quick point, man. I, I watched that um, uh, uh, Wisconsin offensive line. Man, again, that offensive line. Just looking at that that O line at Wisconsin was just it was unbelievable, man. Just the holes they were opening, the way those guys were moving, and I'm just like, damn, you know, we can we not go to Wisconsin? Can we not go to Iowa? I always preach it's the same thing. I always. Seems like it's repetitive. Can we not re- recruit old linemen outside of Florida? So you're asking yeah. the, the yeah, I heard you. You're, so you're asking uh, you're asking a question. Uh, it's a question. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I mean, I'm looking at the. I mean, I mean, it's five guys on an old line at at, at the University of Wisconsin, and I'm sure they. Well, they develop them. I understand. Yeah, they, they don't play. They very rarely will you see a true freshman playing O line at Wisconsin. Yeah, but why are we staying in Florida for for O, o- linemen? 
I mean, what? what oh, I, yeah. I mean, uh, you could certainly make that argument because there's just not a lot of offensive linemen in Florida. But but they didn't. I mean, they went to Georgia and got Ja'Kai Clark. They went to uh, North Carolina and got Zion Nelson. So they yeah, they I, did uh, they did go outside last year. Yeah, but I mean, those guys are like freshmen. I mean, you know, I understand. I mean, I I, mean, I, I, I would. Yeah. The transfer the transfer portal is is, is is was great. I know you got you got uh, KJ Osborne, you got the kid Hill, but I mean I, until they really get, I mean when you look at that old line man, it was just no push. I mean I don't even you, even from a leadership standpoint, it was like nobody really just you know who was the guy who was that one guy on the old line I mean on the offense that just um just said hey you know we gotta we, we gotta we gotta, we gotta make a, we gotta make a move. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta pick this thing up. And you know, quite as as it's kept defensively, who's really been playing well. A lot of guys, I don't know if they mentioned him, was uh, Romeo Finley. I mean, that that kid plays hard. That dude plays pretty. I mean, he's a a, a really a really solid player, and he and he and, he, and he's into it. I'm wondering from a leadership standpoint, um, like who who are the leaders? From, from a vocal standpoint, from a getting guys in position standpoint, you know, it's just, it's almost like when I watch a game, it's just like. Yeah. I mean, no, no argument. Game and, they, they, I mean, you know, they might be lacking some leadership. Yeah, You look at Lawrence Cager. Cager was, Cager was going off like he'd been, been at university of Georgia for three years. Like, like, like got his, cause his wide receiver coach, he's from New Orleans. And I mean, you mean to tell me, Cajun gonna come in as a transfer, a grad transfer, and ball out like that, and he was dropping balls at, <laughs> at Miami. I, I I don't know, man. Is it like kind of concentration? Is it is it coaching? It, I mean, I don't know. It's just it's hard to watch a game and really, you know. I mean, regardless of win or lose, you 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 know you gonna support the team, but it's just like damn, it's just. Central Michigan, man, no, no disrespect to Central Michigan at all, but they were getting pressure from. I mean, they were just getting pressure off the off the left edge. Like, I mean, damn. I mean, Central Michigan, really, Gary? Mm-hmm. I know. You know. All right, Roland, what you got? Anything else, so, real quick? I got, I got four more guys. I got to get on in the next ten minutes. No, nah, man, I'm just listening. You good for this week? All right, man. Give us a call again in uh, in a couple weeks. Right, let's go to the uh, 570. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, this is Golf James. How are you, man? Hey, what's up, man? What you got? Yeah, you know, Gary, I, I think a lot of our fans are missing the point here. We are starting kids, okay, on our offensive line. They're kids. They're 17, 18-year-old kids. Zion came in. He was 240 pounds. He was 17 years old. Now he's 290 pounds. Big deal. Okay, I have a friend who coached at Lackawanna College. And if anybody on, on the on, on the show doesn't know what Lackawanna College is, that's the college where Bryant McKinney came from. Yep. Okay, junior college. And he was the offensive line coach there for 10 years, and he put 25 guys in 10 years to Division One programs. So when he tells me something, I really listen to what he says because he goes, and I know if you talk to Bryant now, he'll remember Coach Mack, and he'll, he'll speak very highly of Coach Mack. And uh, – 
Coach Mack said to me, we talked about we talked about the Miami offensive line. You cannot put a kid against a man, and that's what we're doing. We're putting mm-hmm. two freshmen, you know, and everybody's saying, oh, uh, Central Michigan. Well, you know what? If you look at the defensive line, those kids are 21, 22 years old on the other side of the offense. Mm-hmm. That I, don't, I don't disagree with you. My question is, why do we keep doing it? We do it every exactly. year. Exactly, and that's where the problem is. Everybody talks about Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Let me tell you something. There's not one, there's not one player, and check this out in the last 10 years. I'll bet you there's maybe two or three freshmen that might have started at Wisconsin in the last 10 years on the offensive line. They take two stars, they put them into the program, just like Russell Maryland said. They sit in the back of the room and they keep their mouth shut because they, they're not ready to play. Our kids are not ready to play, even on our defensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I, I remember, we're putting kids against these against these maniacs that we're playing against. And everybody says North Carolina's talent isn't as good as Miami's. No, it's not. But when you put a senior against a freshman, it is. And that's what we're doing. And, mm-hmm. and that's what we have to stop. And if we don't stop that, like you said, and I agree with you a thousand percent about recruiting. Our recruiting is not the best, but our recruiting isn't that bad. But we're throwing these kids in before they're ready to play. And that's mm-hmm. what our problem is. And why can't we I, and we can't stop doing it because we have no depth. We have to keep getting these kids in and putting them in. That's all we could do. So I, I don't know what the answer is. Oh, and by the way, uh, Coach Mack said that Coach Barry is a very, very good offensive line coach. He knows him. I, I agree. For, I mean, from what I've seen, he looks to me like a good offensive line coach. Yes. The, 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 the question – well, that, A, and B, to me, the question with him is going to be, can he recruit? I mean, it's very, it's very, you know, you could be a really good offensive line coach in college football, but if you can't recruit and exactly. and you're being I, I counted agree. on the recruit offensive lineman, yeah. you know, it's going to, something, it's going to be tough. So like, I don't, you know, I don't know what, what the answer is or, but he absolutely is a good offensive line coach. I've, I've watched him. I've I, I've spoken to people who have watched them, and is. yeah, he is. Yeah. And now let's go to the offensive side real quick. We have three dual threat quarterbacks that we don't use properly. That's the only. That's my only thing with Enos, and and I and I and I think he has to realize he's not at Alabama. He has to do something different. Now maybe the offensive line is hindering that. I don't know. I think it might be, but mm-hmm. he has to start. And 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 Jaron has to realize he has to run once in a while. He has to, and 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 mm-hmm. right now he looks like he he has a deer in the headlight look when when he's back there sometimes and he gets pressure. Of course, he's only uh, redshirt freshman, but that'll come with uh, more experience. But he has to learn how to get out of the pocket a little more. Uh, he mm-hmm. did it once against Central Michigan. I was at the game and I was screaming "run, run" when he made that when he ran for nine yards up in the middle was wide open in the North mm-hmm. Carolina game for the two point conversion. If he when Mallory dropped that pass, which he should have caught, but he didn't, he could have walked right in. He didn't even have to throw the ball. He could have ran right in. But for some reason, he's a little hesitant. Maybe he's told not to. I don't know. But he has to start understanding the field a little better. And I think mm-hmm. that's hurting Enos's offense also. So, uh, but I think everybody has to understand we're playing a lot of kids. And they're not men, no they're kids. No the doubt, seventeen, eighteen-year-old kids I might mean, might be something that needs to change. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's where your point of recruiting comes in. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, 
basketball. You know, everybody says, oh, you know, this kid goes to Alabama, he plays as a true freshman. Yeah, but he has eight eight seniors and two juniors around him. And he's got elite, yeah, he's got elite dudes around him, exactly. Yeah, we we don't have. All right, man. Let me um, let me get these other guys on and uh, give us give us give us a call back in uh, two weeks. Absolutely. All right. All right, man. Yep. Yeah, just for those of you that didn't hear me say this earlier, there will be no Kane Sport Live next Tuesday. We'll be back in uh, in two weeks with the next show um, after the Virginia Tech game. Let's go to the uh, nine eight five. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Swagger for life from New Orleans. Gary, how are you? Hey, what's up, Swagger? What you got for us, man? Uh, last caller took the words out of my mouth. I think the fan base is in left field. We're starting too many kids uh, out there. I mean, we got freshmen going up against these seniors, and everybody wants to fire coaches. It's ridiculous. Nobody's making nobody's making us throw the freshmen out there. That's well, a that's a that's a choice, and it's self-inflicted pain. Yeah, but it's con- it's compounded. I mean, you've talked about the last two shows. It's been recruiting trouble, compounded by, and I'm going to get on my soapbox again with the kids in Miami leaving too early. We've we've stumped that trend last year with Jack and uh, Pinkney. But if you go back and you look at the stats over the past four to six years with kids jumping to the to the draft as these redshirt sophomores and these juniors, that's a culture problem. It's a culture problem, and it's somehow that's got to change. How can you develop a team if you got these kids jumping to the draft to go be sixth and seventh round draft picks? It, it's mm-hmm. a mess. It's a mess. You got to stop that. You can't develop a roster, you know, and, and, and build a champion if that that stuff like that's going to happen. And stu- that's that's a culture issue. It's a culture issue in South Florida. It is just point point blank period. As far as the team, you know, it's a stubborn. Uh, I kind of agree with the fact that he needs to adduce, make some adjustments a little bit, but like every other coach, he wants to want, run what he wants to run. Uh, he does still think he's, you know, he, he's at Alabama, like the last caller said, and, uh, you know, he, he needs to make some adjustments. What those adjustments are, I don't know, because when you can't block, <laughs> it's going to be tough. I mean, the offensive line is the worst position on the football team to be young and inexperienced. It's worse than quarterback. Quarterback you can scheme around, quarterback you can mask, you can you know, you, you can you can play with a little bit. Can't do that at offensive line. Offensive line is to has to protect in order to, to, to run some sort of an offense. And when you're young there, you're inexperienced there, you're you're just not as talented there, you're gonna be in trouble. Every one of the rest of these games going forward Outside of FIU, going to be a dogfight. It's 50-50 toss-up in my mind. There's no guarantees. I hope we get to eight wins. I hope we, you know, I mean, that's that's probably a good good goal for this team. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, it's going to be tough. Uh, I'm not on the, the, the fire Manny bandwagon. I like Manny <laughs> Diaz. I think we, you know, that, that's ridiculous. Uh, I think that's crazy. Um, I think we need to give him a shot to, you know, turn this thing around. I mean, we're, you know. We're, you know, four games in with a with a uh, with a substandard roster. You know, I mean, it, you know, I think they've made the decision to throw the kids out there because they say, okay, let's you know just build them up because it's what we've got. I think that's kind of the direction that they've gone. But one thing that did upset me, Gary, after the Central Michigan game was something that Brevin Jordan said in his post game about not really being frustrated and being happy with himself and. You know, 
Yep, I don't, I don't disagree. Do. I know what you're saying. The, there was nothing leaders, to be happy about leaders, after that game other than winning. Leaders don't answer those. Leaders don't answer that that way after a game against Central Michigan. You win by five points. That kid yep. should have been man. Mm. Yep. You know, uh, that that was just, that was tough to stomach. I mean, yeah. I, I, all, all right, Swagger. Players, hey, let me. I got. I got to cut you off because we're running late. Uh, give us a call back in two weeks, okay? Thanks, Gary. Bye. You got it, man. All right, uh, let's go. Nine oh four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's going on, man? It's Antoine Majestic. How you doing, man? What's up, man? What you got? Talk quick. Good. Um, talk quick. I got you. Um, well, it looks like everybody talks about Wisconsin, but I looked at I looked at some of their recruiting from the last few years. They recruit a body type. They recruit mm-hmm. tall guys, maybe six four, six five, six six, and they're all around two sixty, two eighty. They don't recruit guys that are already three eighty. I mean, mm-hmm. three hundred pounds. They always it's just, they have a, a they have a system in who they recruit. But who's their and they build them up. coach? And they build them up. They don't recruit guys already three hundred pounds. It's one thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so who is our O line? I, I know our O line coach is uh, from the NFL. He's supposed to be pretty good, and I'll give yeah, him Butch time. Barry, yep. Um, okay. Let me let me tell you what we need to do, man. This, this O line is, is the one of the worst parts of our team. We need to hire an analyst. Now we say we got two analysts. We need to hire a third analyst, and all he needs to do is look in Florida, Georgia, uh, North and South Carolina, maybe Alabama, and look for offensive linemen. They ain't got to be four stars. They ain't got to be five stars. Look for that body type. Like with look at every look offensive lineman in the in the southeastern United States. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's, actually, that's draw. It. I would draw a line, like like in the middle of the country, and, and look at every O lineman east east of that line. But that's and your the only job. Too. You don't even have. You, you don't even have. Yep. Another, you're right. You don't even have another job. You don't need another job. Yeah. You don't do anything else. You don't do anything. Your whole assignment is as scout offensive lineman. That's a great idea. That's all. <laughs> that's all you do. That's just your yep. job. If you, if you do good, you you, you stay on. But. That's all I really got to say. Um, other than that, I, I think we need to start playing our, our guys. It looks like they're they're better, but I know coaches are really they're not they're hesitant on playing guys that are younger. If they have seniors and juniors that have been in the program for a long time, they're hesitant on doing it, and it, it it's detrimental to your team. There are guys on our defensive line, and they get on the field, and I'm like, wow, that guy jumps off the screen, but he doesn't play again. Oh, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna say this. It's my this is the point I wanted. This is what I want to tell you. Enos is our offense always looks good at the beginning of the first half and the beginning of the second half because Enos has time to script plays. I think mm-hmm. Enos is a better play scripter when he has a long period of time. Then, mm-hmm. then having a feel for calling plays during the flow of a game—that's mm-hmm. what I believe. It looks as though he's good when he has time to script, but it just mm-hmm. just say the second and third position of the third quarter, the first half, he's not as good as like in Florida. He did great the first drive, but all them plays we did, we never saw those plays again. He has mm-hmm. no feel for calling plays in the midst of a game. I'm gonna leave you mm-hmm. with that. You have a good night. Uh, see you in a couple of weeks. It's not a bad point, something we'll have to keep an eye on here as we keep moving forward. But uh, no doubt that he's been very good in the, at the beginning of games and has, has seemed to get away from some of that stuff. So uh, very good point. We'll uh, talk to you next next show. All right, guys, that's going to be it for tonight. Um, want to thank the great Russell Maryland for joining us on the Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment. Want to thank Sicilian Oven for once again sponsoring Kane Sport Live this year. 
Um, hate to sound like a broken record, but get yourself out to one of those six locations. If you live in South Florida, if you visit South Florida from time to time, um, get yourself over to Sicilian Oven and experience their their great brand of pizza and, and Italian cooking. Um, you got the location in Plantation, uh, which is at the Fountains Complex off University Drive, the Aventura location, 205th and Biscayne, uh, the location at Lighthouse Point and the shops at Beacon Light, um, location in Coral Springs on Sample Road and 101st, uh, the Boca Raton location, and the Fort Lauderdale location on Oakland Park Boulevard just west of Bayview where they have the full liquor bar. Um, so get on over to Sicilian Oven and, uh, and just enjoy uh, just the great product that they put out. You'll not only love the taste, but you will taste the love that they put into what they do every single day. Uh, next Kane Sport Live in two weeks. We'll see everybody then, uh, and we'll slice and dice up the Virginia Tech game. So until then, good night, everybody.